For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. We are live on a Tuesday edition of the Sports Bash here on 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. What's going on, everybody? I'm your host, Mike Gill. Josh Jennings producing today's show. You out there, what we be, how we be, what you do? Stay up late for that Monday night football debacle? I mean, that could be the worst coach minute 30 I've ever seen in my entire life. And then Nathaniel Hackett doubled down. I'd kick it again if I had the opportunity. That's just what I want to do. Pay my quarterback a quarter of a billion dollars and then ask a Temple kicker to go out there and try a 64-yard field goal. Smart. Smart, Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, We got NFL who's in, who's out. Is Hackett that bad that Denver could be out? Were they that bad last night? I mean... When we do find five ugly five last week, I had Seattle in my bottom five. They looked like a playoff team last night. My gosh. It was, uh, this is why you can't use week one for anything. I thought last night was an example. How many people out there watched that game and said, man, this Geno Smith, he's really good, are the same people that said, ah, this Seattle team stinks because of Geno Smith. Can't have it both ways. You have to play fair on all sides of the coin. Seattle's not going to be very good. They looked good last night. They came out, I thought, like Detroit. It, they came out with a lot of noise, a lot of energy. They got the lead early. And quite frankly, maybe Denver's not as good as we thought Denver was going to be. So uh, that's a couple thoughts on that game last night. I thought Russell Wilson, by the way, he just looked average last night. I don't think Russell Wilson played particularly well he didn't have the same kind of giddy-up getting out of the pocket. Uh, his improvising wasn't quite the same as you saw in his years in um, Seattle. I don't think Russell Wilson played a great game last night. And for the most part, uh, Seattle looked to be the better team a lot of the night last night. I thought Geno Smith played about as well as you can ever imagine Geno Smith playing in a game. I think they said it was eight years that he had not started a football game in week one, and he came out last night and basically outplayed Russell Wilson. If you are a Denver fan, and I don't know how many of those we have hanging around our audience, well, Dallas is 3,000, 1,500 miles from here. Maybe some people like uh, Denver. I actually, I actually know of at least one Denver fan. All right, well, there's always somebody out there that just for whatever reason, maybe he liked the... The Bronco on their helmet when he was younger. Or... I think he liked Elway or something like that. Oh, so. Okay. Uh, I had two quick questions from that game last night. Number one, will you buy the Geno Smith? They wrote me off. I ain't writing back, though, shirt. I like it, but I'm not buying it. Too yeah. much writing on it for a large man. 
put too much print on the front of a shirt. I, I really can't go that way. I mean, I was saying last night on Twitter, I was like, someone needs to take this and turn it into a shirt now. I like, can't copyright it. I also, I don't want anything that comes in electric green Seattle. I but just, what if it was a WVU shirt? No. Because he's a WVU guy. I know. Um, no, I can't go with the electric green. I don't mind the electric green if it's like the outline or just a small little flare color. They went full electric green last night. It's a little intense on the eyeballs. It's tough. It's definitely not an NFL color. Especially in high-definition television. Yeah, it's not an NFL color. That is a... That's an Arena League. Yeah, it's either Arena League or maybe a MAC or or a Mountain West game. One of those once-a-year Oregon jerseys. Yeah, it's the late-night 10.30. You see that that light on the screen. It keeps you awake. All right, I can stay awake. (laughs) This team's wearing... You know, pea green out there. My gosh, what was that? But, look, the game last night, it was ugly, sloppy game. But I think it gives you a a little indication, right, of Denver had a travel, and that place was loud, and they were into it last night. They were loud, and they were into that game last night, the Seattle fans. They booed Russell Wilson from the snap start of that game to the from the time he ran out of that tunnel to the snap start of that game, so I give their crowd a, some credit. I think that was a huge part of the reason why he had trouble last night. I think Russell Wilson is such a nice guy that he can't feed off of the emotion like that. Like Brady, Rogers, those guys are like borderline psychos. They're like, yeah, keep booing me, keep because I'm I'm gonna feed it to you. You know, I don't think Russ has got that. Like, look at that picture of him walking outside. Like, he looks sad. Like, it's almost like the crowd was, like, hurting his feelings almost. I probably was. He was probably thinking to himself, man, what did I do to these people to make them boo me like this? I I wasn't watching the Manning cast last night. I watched the Manning cast for the fourth quarter. I watched the Buck and Aikman. Definitely has a different feel with Buck and Aikman doing Monday Night Football. You can feel the difference in that game. I don't know if the ratings will be any different, but I didn't watch the... Manning cast last night. I watched it last year. I did not watch it last night, but I saw snippets, and there was a part where Eli asked Peyton, have you ever been booed at, like, just where they're just booing you, not your team, you. They are booing you. Like, he said, yeah, I mean, Peyton said no, but Eli had said, you know, when I went to San Diego, I got booed by the Charger fans because he, of course, said, I don't want to go to San Diego. Right. So they booed him. But that's what it was like last night. They were booing Russell Wilson, and he had a look in his eyes of, man, I didn't expect this. I I think it affected him. I think it actually affected him last night. Well, the decision in that game is the big story. They get down. There was horrible clock management. Now, if you're watching the Manning cast, you saw Peyton Manning just perplexed. What are they doing? Peyton and Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp was the fourth quarter guest. They were both screaming every, what are you doing? Why aren't you doing that? Like, they were literally, like, so mad. They were perplexed. Peyton was perplexed. He's calling timeout. He's, what are you doing? You got to call timeout. They waste 30 seconds. They don't call the timeout. Then they kick the field goal. It comes up. uh, I actually think it had the leg. I think it just was off off, uh, line. And they lose that game. It had the leg. It definitely had the leg. It just drifted. That's all. Russell Wilson has to be thinking to himself after one game, what the hell was that? Seriously, what was that? Is this guy the guy that I just signed a 10-year deal Mm -hmm. to play with? Now, that doesn't mean he's going to be the coach there for all 10 years. 
But Russell Wilson essentially saying, this is my organization. This is who I'm with. Is Russell Wilson thinking, what the hell did I just get myself into after one game? Now, you can't judge people off of one game. I certainly understand that. But he looked in way in over his head last night trying to call plays, manage the game, manage the clock. We had this conversation a lot where, hey, is a head coach, does he have too much on his plate to also call plays when you're in your first year? There is a lot of things that go on as the head coach. you got to decide, do you want to go for it, take penalties? Are we going to punt? Are we going to go? We gonna All these things. When you're calling plays and you got to do all that stuff, you got to manage the clock. Sometimes it, you know, uh, Robin Margate says, I think it's an organizational failure. Seattle couldn't keep Wilson happy. Wilson is still a very good quarterback and still high on Denver as a playoff team this year. That's from Robin Margate. Rob, I agree. Look, did, did the, did the Seahawks choose Russell Wilson? Um, not Russell Wilson. Uh, Pete Carroll over Russell Wilson? Did they choose a 70-year-old head coach in Pete Carroll and say, we'd rather Pete than Russell? Because apparently those two guys just could not get along. Yeah, there's a huge class because Pete Carroll still believes in running the football. He doesn't want to run a spread offense consistently. And apparently Russ wanted you know more passing into the game. And apparently that was the beginning of the clashing of the heads. So... Now, I don't know if Russ is going to explicitly get more from Nathaniel Hackett because I saw them run the ball a lot last night, Mike, way more than I expected. Well, this is what I would say to that text message there, right? That is it an organizational failure they couldn't keep Wilson happy? If you think that Wilson is coming to the back nine, here's the problem, okay? And this is why I don't say it's a total organizational failure by Seattle. They won a Super Bowl with him. Do they see another Super Bowl on the horizon with him? And I'll ask it in this way. What happened after they won that Super Bowl? And when was it that they won the Super Bowl? Okay? They won the Super Bowl because Russell Wilson was a third-round pick making third-round money. Then they signed Russell Wilson to a big contract, and the next thing you know, Seattle was not Seattle anymore. They slowly started to fall apart. Correct. So I don't think it's an organizational failure if you say, look, I'm not signing him to a 10-year, 290, what did he get, 295 million? 250. 250, because I don't think he's a 10-year, $250 million guy anymore. So I can understand that point of view and just saying, listen, We're going to try to rebuild our roster up and find a quarterback that we can get on that cheap salary. It's not Geno Smith. It's not Drew Locke. But we'll hold those guys. We'll hold the fort for us until we find our next Russell Wilson, a guy that we can draft and not have to pay a lot of money. So I can see both sides of the coin. Now, if you, Rob and Margate, and I'm not saying you're wrong, think that Russell Wilson could have stayed there and still been a Super Bowl quarterback, Maybe that's where they don't see eye to eye with you. Because I don't know that that's the case. I don't know that Russell Wilson's going to win another Super Bowl staying in Seattle with that salary. Yeah, and the other thing is is that I I know that a lot of NFL teams are looking ahead to that 2023 quarterback draft class. And there's a lot of guys who are salivating over the prospective class. 
And so I'm sure that Seattle is one of those teams that made a business decision. They said, look, instead of giving Russell Wilson a long-term contract, we're going to go and try to you know, kick the can down the lane, get the 2023 draft class, and go find our quarterback there. Uh, text messages are coming in. Mike, do you think Wentz gets it as bad as Russell did last night? Um, that's a good question. Fair question, by the way. He's going to get it. But my question is, do the Eagle fans get tired of booing him at some point? And do they turn their attention to cheering for their own team? Like, it felt like the Seahawks fans were so invested in booing well, Russell. Well, the cuts, the, the, the wound's still fresh. Very fresh. Wentz has been removed, like, what, two years Yeah, now, right? the one thing is he is playing with a division rival. Mm-hmm. You got Washington coming to town. You would have already played him once. I just feel there is a part of me. Look, I think the Eagles fans have no love for Wentz. Like they, they, but part of it is because they were tired and done of it. They were just right. they're over it. Right. It wasn't like Wentz was like, I want out of here. I can't stand this place or something like that. And Eagle fans were like, fine, get out of here. And they were hurt, like like they were jolted. Like the Eagle fan didn't want him. And I think that's where maybe it's a little bit of a different vibe. Whereas I think the Seahawks fan wanted Russell Wilson to be a life, lifelong Seattle. Well, I don't know that Wilson was like, hey, I want to get the heck out of here. I think it was just like, hey, all right, I think it's time. I think it was time. And like you said earlier, Mike, it, there's a lot of perspective that believes that basically the Seahawks said we're going to pick Pete Carroll over Russell Wilson. So to answer your question, do I think Wentz gets it as bad as Russell did last night? I think Wentz gets it once. I don't know that he gets it the whole game like Wilson did. I think when, when Wentz comes out initially, see, it depends. Wentz isn't a dummy. He'll probably come out early when that stadium's only half full. You know, he'll run out of the tunnel early, right? get out in the field, warm up a little bit, and, and some people won't even be paying attention. Now, that game is on a, is it on a Monday night or a... That game is on a Monday night in Philadelphia, November 14th. There's going to be a lot of people looking up for that. Right. It's another point. It's a Monday pre- night. You got people in the... Uh, oh, they're going to be pre-gaming at 5, 4 p.m. Yeah. By the time kickoff comes, they're going to be lubricated. Uh, I'll put it simply. Last year alone, teams that went for it on 4th and 5... We're 23 of 47, about 50%. Conversely, there have only been two field goals made from 64 yards in NFL history. So I ask, what would you do? That's from Matt in Delaware. Well, I would have gone for it. I'm not trying to win a game with a 64-yard field goal. Although, apparently, McManus, uh, what's the kicker's name? Brandon McManus. McManus. I was right the first time. Yeah. Apparently, he had said, get me to the left hash mark, and I can make it from there. Right. I mean, honestly, kickers are making kicks from deeper and deeper and deeper. It's just like anything in life. A 55-yard field goal is no longer like, oh, my God, 55 yards. 58-yard field goals you see these guys routinely make. So at some point, a 64-yard field goal, I think, is going to become a much more attainable situation. I just don't think in the waning seconds of that game is when I'm going to lean on my kicker to try to win it for me. But it gets back to the issue with Nathaniel Hackett, which is you have a coach who is supposed to be this offensive-minded coach, right? He was working with Aaron Rodgers 
for years. Now he gets Russell Wilson. The idea was is that, okay, you're going to lean into Russ's strength. You're going to lean into him as the quarterback. And throughout the entire game, it was like Hackett didn't trust his quarterback. And, like, you asked the question, Mike, if you give a guy— How do you guy, not trust a quarterback you just paid 250 million to? million to? You can't give that guy all that money. And, by the way, Ryan Clark said the same thing you're saying last night on SportsCenter. He was pounding the table on SVP SportsCenter saying, how do you give a guy all this money and then throughout the game not put the game on his arm? I don't get it. I don't know how many top 10 quarterbacks in football would have been sitting on the sideline watching a kicker kick a 64-yard field goal in that moment. Tim Hackett from Millville says, ease up on my cousin Nate. I wonder if that's really his cousin. I would like to actually like to know. That would be interesting. Is it really your cousin, and how do you feel about your cousin? Well, last night, Nate, <laughs> uh, Tim, you can't feel good about your cousin's decision. No. I'm sorry. Um, look, I thought, I think Denver's the better team in the long run. And this just goes yeah. back to the Eagles situation, all the situations. The better team did not win the game last night. Seattle's not the better team in the long run. And... Denver did not look good last night. They didn't look prepared. They were not well coached. They had terrible time management. But when push comes to shove, how many people in the listening audience right now think that Seattle is better than Denver, even though that Seattle beat Denver? I'm talking over 17 games. Who is the better team? And that's like Philadelphia. Do I think that Detroit is a 35-point-per-game offense? No. Is the fact that Tim Hackett says, nah, it's not my cousin. Well, if it was your cousin, wouldn't you rip him too, Tim? (laughs) If Nathaniel Hackett was your cousin, Tim Hackett, in Millville, wouldn't you have to text him like, dude, what was that? Right? Right? Like, if if that was my cousin. You're texting him, right? I'm texting him. Dude, what were you thinking? What happened? Like, you got to text him and ask him. Really? You're trying for a 64-yarder with Russell Wilson? Like, listen, let me ask this question. If he was the head coach in Green Bay, do you think that Aaron Rodgers would have let him kick that field goal? Aaron Rodgers might have got a fight. He would have kicked him in the you-know-what. Yeah. And said, get out of here. I'm going for it. And I'm going. He probably would have told the... Aaron Rodgers probably would have told the special teams guys to get off the field. Yeah, I think that that's a big thing, too, is that Aaron Rodgers would have told Nathaniel Hackett if he was the head coach, no, we're going for this. And I think Russell Wilson was very content on just saying, okay, uh, you guys go for it. You kick the field goal. Right. 609-403. 0973 609-403-0973. That's the text board. Jump on. Let me know your thoughts on week one in the NFL. Just NFL thoughts. What is something that you learned after one week of the NFL season? What is something that sticks out to you as this happened on Sunday or Monday or Thursday, and I think that is legit? What is something that you are buying into after one week of the NFL. I got who's in, who's out, 
Coming up tonight in the 4 o'clock hour right here on the Sports Bash Live, they are my 14 NFL playoff teams. Frank Close answers Phillies questions. They were off last night. They're back tonight. Let's not forget about the Phillies, guys. They got a... <laughs> it's kind of weird to say because they are so out of sight, out of mind right now. This time of the year, they really get lost in the sauce. But normally, they're fading away. They are in the playoffs right now. And they're playing the Marlins. They have a good shot. I said I want seven out of nine. Right now, they are three, four, five out of six. They won five out of six. I've asked for seven out of nine during this stretch here. That means they can lose a game against the Marlins and still get me seven out of nine. That's a win for me. But guess what? I want a sweep. Phillies are three and a half games up on the Brew Ha-Ha's for that final wild card spot. And they're a game and a half up on the Padres for the third spot. Right now, the Mets lead the East. The Braves have the top wild card spot. The Phillies are second. The Padres are third. The Phillies are at 78 wins right now. They've won three straight games. They're going on the road. they got the Marlins. And guess who they're facing tonight? Yep, you guessed it. Sandy Alcantara. Pete, Pete Thompson's favorite guy has been tonight, Belly Falter. Bailey Falter gets the ball for the Flightings. It's Falter and Alcantara tonight. The Phillies trying to hold on to that wild card spot because guess what? The schedule gets very difficult the next set after this. Atlanta, Toronto, and Atlanta for four. They got to get this series here. All right. 609-403-0973. Something you learned from week one in the NFL. Something you learned or one thought. We do one thought every game. One thought from week one in the NFL. Hit me up. I'm Mike Gill. This is the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. Now, back to the Sports Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. ESPN. Two twenty-seven. Get your game on at the Gallery Bar, Book, and Games at Ocean Casino Resort this football season. Go to the Gallery in Ocean Casino Resort. Go for the win. For more information, visit OceanAC.com. You must be twenty-one or older to play. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred Gambler. Speaking of Ocean Casino Resort, you can go to our website right now, ninety-seven-three-ESPN.com. And enter to win a $50 Ocean Casino Resort gift card. We're giving away three Ocean Casino $50 gift cards. Go to our website, 973ESPN.com, right now to enter. And we'll announce three winning names on Happy Hour Friday with the PT on Friday. So you can enter to win a $50 Ocean Casino Resort gift card. And, you know, Monday, we're going to be there live in the Eagles play Monday night. So why don't you make plans to come on out? If you win the $50 gift card, you can come out and use the $50 gift card. Maybe buy us a couple drinks for winning the gift card from me. You know what I'm saying? Maybe. That might be a nice idea. 
Mike, a little thank you, a little hot tip. Just a little HT. Mike, there's no way Seattle keeps that up. Pete Carroll and company are going to have to keep changing the game plan. Chubb was essentially non-existent for Denver last night, and there were some blown coverages. The game should have been put away had Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams not fumbled inside the 10. I agree. I'm glad that you have a rational reaction to that game. But you have to take it from where I'm at, listening to Eagles fans complain that they won the game on Sunday. Right. Right. Mike, more than anything, I'm buying into parity in the NFL. Look at Houston, Bears, Lions, Seahawks, Giants. Any given Sunday. Now, it's only week one, and the cream should rise. But some teams we think are good and teams we think are bad could be reversed this year. Phil. You know, Phil, here's the problem. We go into a season with preconceived notions. And because the Eagles played a Lions team that hasn't been good in any of our lifetimes, including last year, and you beat them 44-6, to the anticipation from Eagles fans is, well, then you got to beat them 38-3 or 38-10. It's got to look aesthetically pleasing. I don't know why people care what the win looks like. What does it matter what the win looks like? you got to win in September. By the time December comes around, that game will be a distant memory. But it will still count as a win in your win column. Mike, my random week one thought was the officials were good and no complaints as games ran smoothly. That's Jeff in Ocean City. Jeff, you must be an official. <laughs> uh, you know what? I don't have to, I don't have any calls, you're right, that stand out as totally missed blunders. So, sure, I'll agree with you on that. I would just say that when it comes to the officiating, I would just remind people that because the officials change from spot to spot every week, you know, I think you're going to see officials impact games differently because every game itself is different, too. Well, listen, the officials are bad, whether they're in the same spot, every spot, this spot, that spot, who they travel with. They've been horrible. This weekend, that guy's right. There has not, there was not a game that I can recall off the top of my head that stands out with poor officiating. Now, there were some calls in some games. You're like, ah, that's a bad call. Happens. But nothing affected a game. So, Jeff, Ocean City, two points for you. You're right. But I want to go back to Phil. 609-403-0973. Give me something that you take from week one. What's your week one takeaway? And his is, you know, I'm buying in. He mentions Houston. The Bears, the Lions, the Seahawks, the Giants. Now, the Bears are a team that I said, if Justin Fields turns out to be the player that people thought he was going to be, where he was drafted at number two, some people thought he should have been number one, was Fields two? No, no. Two was Zach Wilson. Fields was what? He no. was um, around twelve. Because he was at trade the Giants out with right, the Bears. Right, right, right. I was going to say, as I said that, I'm like, wait a second. No, Fields wasn't two. He, he dropped, and people were surprised. Yeah. But some people thought he was the best quarterback in the class. If Fields turns out to be the best quarterback in the class, I said, I think the Bears could be better than people think. But realistically, that roster is just not all that good. I mean, It's a poor roster, and they were able to take advantage of a 49ers team that I don't think was well-prepared for the bad weather. I think that the 49ers wanted to run a certain type of type of offense, and the weather, combined with Lance's indecision, 
led them to have some poor performances. Houston, I don't know enough about Davis Mills. Can he be one of those surprise guys? I'm not saying he's Tom Brady, but nobody thought that this guy was going to come into the league and be a starting quarterback. Now, all of a sudden, Houston thinks it's found its guy. I mean, I think we need a season to play out with him before we can start making judgments. But if he can play, look, if your quarterback can play, that accentuates your timeline. You move further to the front of the line if you are a bad team searching for your quarterback as opposed to a bad team who then finds its quarterback. Houston's a bad team looking for a quarterback. The Bears are a bad team looking for a quarterback. The Lions are a... This is an interesting one because they're a bad team who kind of has a quarterback who was the number one overall pick, and he's not horrible. He's just not a franchise-changing quarterback. So can the Lions build around him? The Rams got to a Super Bowl with Jared Goff. Can the Lions build their roster around a guy who's good enough to get you there but not good enough to be the reason you're there? It's a good question. I would I would just bring it to this point. After week one of the college football season, Anthony Richardson was a Heisman Trophy frontrunner. Last weekend, he gets shut down and embarrassed by Kentucky. And now all of a sudden, nobody cares about him. Once teams get tape on you, and how you adjust is what makes the difference for quarterbacks. So we have a week of film on Davis Mills. We have a week of film on Justin Fields. We have a week of filling on all these quarterbacks. Now how do teams adjust to having that information? And that's really what's going to determine the season. Geno Smith has been around eight years. I'm not sure that he all of a sudden has evolved into some starting quarterback. But maybe the Seahawks roster is not as bad as we thought. Maybe they got a lot in that trade. Yeah, Font was the leading receiver for Denver. Mm -hmm. Uh, Harris was a very good defensive tackle who made an impact in the game last night. He did. So keep that in mind. I've been saying I think the Giants, the biggest problem for them is they just had a lousy culture. Very lousy culture. And I think the culture has changed. I think the Giants are moving in the right direction. They got the right coach. I think they have the right GM. And I think the Giants have been an embarrassment for long enough for Giant fans. And sadly, I think they're starting to take a step in the right direction. I got to give them that. I think they're taking a step in the right direction. Right? I mean, I mean, look, once you get the coach, then it just kind of grows from there, doesn't it? Got to set that culture. Yeah. Uh, Jeff at Ocean City says, I am an official. <laughs> I picked you out there, Jeff. <laughs> That's a good pull by you, Mike. Mike, give some credit to your boy, Geno Smith. The guy hasn't started a game in eight years. He played well. He represents West Virginia. He represents you. I have given credit to Geno Smith there, sir. I actually tweeted a bunch of times that I give him credit, and I was very proud of him last night. I don't want to see Geno Smith stink up the joint, but... Quite frankly, that's the best I think I've ever seen him play an NFL game. It's probably the best NFL game he's ever played. I mean, certainly the first half. I mean, there was a point where he had no incompletions. He was, what, 9 for 9, 10 for 10 at one point? I was thinking about this last night. They put up the comparisons. They put them side by side. Yeah. They say, well, Geno actually was drafted higher than Russell. He was. He was a (laughs) second-round pick. Russell was the third-round pick. So, at the time... Gino had higher expectations coming into the league. Yeah, that's part of it.
No, it doesn't. And it shows you how quarterback evaluation is in itself playing like roulette. What's your biggest week one observation? Text 609-403-0973. What else we got today? I got the $50 gift cards on our website, Ocean Casino Resort. I'm giving away three $50 gift cards to Ocean Casino. Go to our website, 973ESPN.com. Simple. There it is. It's on the front page. Click on it. Enter the form. Three winners on Friday show during Happy Hour Friday. And I told you, all season long, you got to have the app. Because I'm telling you now, starting Monday, starting Monday, I'm just going to say this. Eagles tickets. Okay. And I got this for you. Starting Monday, I'm just going to say Eagles tickets. Get more details. Just keep listening. Coming up a little bit later on the fall. Already working on it. I got the tickets. 99 bottles. The biggest 99 bottles party ever. Okay? So you want to get the app and be a part of the parties. And we're working on more, more, and more. It's going to be the biggest fall Eagles football season. It's like the Bachelorette. This is the most exciting Bachelorette final in history. Bachelorette finals tonight. Thank God there's no Monday Night Football. Thank God there's no Thursday Night Football. I gotta be zoned in tonight. Who's she gonna pick? I will not be watching. Two bachelorettes. Who are they gonna pick? I won't be watching. But I'm sure you'll tell me all about (laughs) this. Frank Close has his Phillies mailbag coming up next. Now, back. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. With Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN, South Jersey's sports leader. Here we go. Frank's mailbag. The Phillies back in action tonight. Now, who have better attendance, the Marlins in Miami or the Phillies at Citizens Bank Park? Uh, Philly's actually got 37,000 in there on Saturday, so I'll give them credit for that. What was the announced attendance for that Sunday game against the Nationals that took about eight hours? A three-and-a-half-hour rain delay in that game. The attendance was 23,802. There's no way because that game obviously uh, had a three-and-a-half-hour rain delay. By the end, my cousin texted me and said it sounded like they were having batting practice in there. You could hit every, hear every single ball being hit. But uh, Frank Close is with us. As Don't forget about the Phils, Frank. They are, of course, down in Miami taking on the Marlins. Uh, they are firmly, not firmly, they're three-and-a-half games up on the Brewers in this wild card race, you're going to get Sandy Alcantara for it seems like the tenth time tonight. <laughs> Bailey Falter goes for the Phils, so uh, we'll jump into the mailbag here on this Tuesday with Frank. What's going on, man? Not much. How are you? All is good. Let's get into some uh, quick things here. Uh, Dominguez back, Eflin back. Uh, let's start with Dominguez. He pitched the eighth the other day. They went with Robertson in the ninth. Is that a fluid thing, or do you think they're going to keep? Uh, that configuration in the back end. 
Well, it's really how they used it before. You saw them match up Dominguez against the tougher parts of the lineup, and it was followed by Robertson. You know, just like the very first game that Robertson pitched for the Phillies, it kind of went that way. But, you know, a real breath of fresh air because Robertson had to do two innings a couple times uh, in the absence of Sir Anthony Dominguez, and you saw him begin to struggle a little bit as he was getting tired. I mean, he's no spring chicken. So uh, having the two of them back-to-back, it's definitely good for the Phillies for the Phillies bullpen and, and psyche in general. Definitely change some things back there. Uh, and then Eflin, he'll be back. And uh, how do you anticipate Eflin's role? What, what's his role um, getting him back? So they say that they're going to use him primarily as a reliever. Uh, what, one thing that they might do is kind of use Zach Eflin as an opener with the idea being that he's started every game he's appeared in his career so far. So that gives him the opportunity to prepare for the game like he was preparing for a start, even if he's only going to go a couple innings. And the reason why they're only going to use him for a couple innings at a time is that they think his stamina will not be uh, built up to the point where he can start games for the Phillies down this stretch since there's only so many games left. And so the hope is that he will help bridge the gap in some of these games where you're getting shorter outings. Uh, Ranger Suarez made it into the seventh, his last start. Uh, he was You could tell he was tired by that seventh inning. Uh, I think they would like to avoid that. And also Noah Syndergaard hasn't pitched this many innings in a long time between 2020 and, and then Tommy John surgery. He, he he might need a rest as well. So if you if you open with Zach Eflin on one of the two days that those guys pitch, that helps you kind of close the gap to the back end of the bullpen. All right, let's get into some of the mailbag questions from our listeners. Frank Close, 97.3 ESPN.com. These are from our website. Uh, listeners, Eric wants to know, would you bring Rob Thompson back as the manager? Um, all right, let's uh, get into that because I do see some people still, you know, questioning Thompson. I, I, I see some people out there just hate the guy. They, they think he's horrible. <laughs> they want him fired. Um, kind of interesting, but uh, what say you? You know, I, I think, I think more than ever, you are a manager of the personalities more than you are of the, the tactical part of the game. Yeah, there's a tactical part of the game, and we seem to have seen the bullpen work. Yeah. And so he's got a good strategy for that in terms of communicating with the players. So he's a good communicator, and he's he's got some he's <laughs> he's got a resume on him now, right? I mean, he's been there through Gabe Kapler and through Joe Girardi, very different managers at the helm, and he's gotten the respect of the veterans. And the young guys, too, especially letting a lot of these young guys play. You know, we saw with Bryson Stott, for example, Joe Girardi, he'd struggle for a couple of days, and then Girardi would, would put in somebody else like Camargo, almost afraid to play the young guys. Here he kind of wrote, wrote the lineup and says, hey, go get, go get it. And he stepped up in a big way, he gave them the opportunity to maybe make some early mistakes and then do better. So I, I think that it'd be really, really hard on this team to remove Rob Thompson after he had all this respect and, and really who are you going to get are you going to try to get a veteran manager like like a Girardi like someone from the old guard uh, are you going to try to get a new young up-and-comer type manager either way I think removing Thompson for that would almost be disruptive to this team as it was so I think they, they got to do what they got to right. do in terms of completing a, a full search as is required by Major League Baseball but at the end I, it's really hard to say Unless, unless there's some disastrous <laughs> couple weeks here and they miss the playoffs, I, 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 you got to bring him back. Yeah, I, I, and just to kind of expand on that, I mean, the Phillies had Gabe Kapler, who people didn't like. The guy went and won manager of the year someplace else. Does that mean he's a great manager? Not necessarily, but it goes to show that I agree with what you're saying. I think people 
who don't like the manager or the coach or anything in sports are people who believe that they, if they coach, they control the game so much and that that's what the manager is supposed to do. I am of the opinion that a baseball manager, a basketball coach, football's a little different because they call every single play. They do have a hand in the play, the clock management, all that stuff. A baseball manager to me is how do you manage the personalities and how does the team respond to you as the manager? It's not what, you know, do you call a steal on this play? You know, people get all up bent out of shape about what the lineup is and guys sitting on certain days and this kind of it's a 162 game season when the game comes down to it in the playoff they're going to play their best guys right absolutely absolutely yeah and i am a big big believer in what you just said it's the personalities it's getting through the long season keeping the atmosphere positive and he's done a really good job at all that yeah it's per it's managing personalities i think rob thompson's done a good job I don't think he's had games where you're like, what the hell is he doing? You did feel that way a lot about Girardi. Now, listen, they had Kapler. People hated him. He goes and wins manager of the year. They bring in Girardi, a guy people endorsed when he got hired. Well, then all of a sudden he couldn't manage and people wanted him gone. I think that tells you all you need to know is it's not the X's and O's of baseball. It's the personality and how you manage a team. Joe Girardi... His personality did not mesh with this group. I, th I think that's fair to say. And, and you, you heard more of it after he left, you know, as people began to speak a little bit more candidly. And let's face it, we haven't had the access uh, we used to before COVID, you know, to really see the ins and outs of the Girardi managerial uh, era, right? So there was a lot behind the scenes perhaps we did not see that led to that decision being made to let Girardi go. All right. Uh, what's your take on the Harper elbow situation? Matt wants to know. Well, I think you just play this year out, plug him in as your DH every single day, get into the playoffs, go as far as you can in the playoffs. Yeah, the Phillies aren't aren't projected to go far. But whenever the time comes are eliminated, hopefully after after the World Series, then you then you turn to Harper and try to figure out what to do next. I look I think at this point He's going to be your designated hitter without any type of surgery. He's going to be stuck in that role. And then if you do have Tommy John surgery, which might be where this is going, you do have a lengthy recovery process. Now, if, if they do that after the playoffs, he might be out till May or June. Uh, but, you know, looking at the schedule next year, understanding that if, if he doesn't get a surgery, he's probably stuck at designated hitter anyway. I think you got to bite the bullet and do it. Uh, the Philly schedule next year looks at, uh, easier in the beginning and, and tougher down the stretch, kind of the opposite of this year. So you definitely want him for that stretch run uh, next year. And you know that the Phillies are a better team when Harper's in right field. You know, the, they've got too many DH types on this roster as it is. Uh, you know, Alec Bohm's improved his defense, but you might want to get him off of third base once in a while. Uh, Kyle Schwarber, Nick Castellanos, they're going to be around next year. It'd be nice to be able to use that DH spot for them and maybe also to rest JT Real Muto a little bit by getting him uh, from out from behind the plate. They haven't been able to do any of that with Harper in the designated hitter spot every day. So I think that's something they're just going to have to bite the bullet. They're going to have to be without him for a little while, beginning of next year. But I don't think you worry about that until this season is over. Real quick, uh, you know, I know shortstop, there's been some talk of them looking at shortstops. Uh, I saw another report over the weekend that uh, Xander Bogarts is a name, but uh, has it 
Nick, uh, excuse me, uh, Bryson Stott uh, shown them that maybe he should be the shortstop? Well, you could put him at second base. Uh, I think that that would be the the obvious thing to do if you're able to land a premium talent. I don't think there's any comparable premium talents at second base right now. And the Phillies have about $30 million coming off the books uh, from Didi Gregorius and, and Gene Segura. So if you're going to add one impact player, I, th- I think it could shift some things around. I, and I, I, I've said this a few times. I wouldn't be shocked if this offseason is the one that they maybe make a trade of a Reese Hoskins or something to try to get get a little bit better defensively. So I think there's a lot of things that could still happen uh, in the bigger picture. But uh, the nice thing about Bryson Stott is you know he can play shortstop pretty well and he can play second base very well too. So uh, he kind of gives you some flexibility there to address that position how you would like. And and by the way, just a side note, someone else asked this question and I didn't get a chance to, to, to get to it, but Nick Maton looked pretty good and Mundo Sosa's looked pretty good. That gives them some flexibility as well. Um, all right, Frank Close, 97.3 ESPN.com, Phillies and the Marlins. Now, I said at the beginning of the stretch, Frank, Marlins, Nationals, Marlins. I need it seven out of nine. So far, I'm on pace there. It gives me one loss in this series. But now I want to sweep. Is that too greedy? I think you want to sweep. I mean, you should, the Phillies should enter this expecting to sweep. Now, of course, Alcantara, as you mentioned, Phillies seem to keep getting him. Uh, they got to him pretty good, though, the other day. You know, you expected that one to be a lot uh, closer than it was. Uh, so hopefully they can they can take another one from Alcantara. But but a sweep here would be great. You know, the, the series against Atlanta, the two series against Atlanta, two against Toronto, they, they will not be any walk in the park. So Phillies, Phillies should try to accumulate some of these wins now. All right, Frank, uh, we'll have the mailbag again next week. And, of course, uh, the Phillies and the Marlins tonight. Appreciate it, bud. Thanks, Mike. All right, there's Frank Close, 97.3 ESPN.com. Phillies Insider. We do the mailbag every Tuesday right here on the Sports Bash. Hey, coming back next hour, John McMullen talks a little Eagles. Uh, the tackling statistics numbers are out. They're not so good for the Eagles. Maybe we blame that more than the coach. Who knows? I talk about John Gannon, by the way. Hey, go to our website, 973ESPN.com, and enter to win a $50 gift card to Ocean Casino Resort. We'll have three winning names coming up on Friday's show. Enter to win a $50 Ocean Casino Resort gift card on our website, 973ESPN.com. I'm Mike Gill. This is the Sports Pass. John McMullen joins me on the other side to talk a little NFL, a little football, and, of course, football at four with Adam Kaplan today at four. And at 445, who's in, who's out, my 14 NFL playoff team. Don't miss it today on the Sports Bash. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. All right, 3 o'clock hour, Sports Bash, 97.3 ESPN. I think if you took a look at all the games in week number one, you would certainly say that most of the games you saw and most of the teams you saw, that would not define who they are. But yet we like to do it with our own team. Fair or unfair? John McMullen is the host of Birds 365, weekday mornings at 8 a.m. on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Of course, longtime Eagles and NFL writer. He joins me right now on the Sports Bash Live 97.3 ESPN. We have a funny way of doing that, John, don't we? Anything we take in week one with our own team is gospel.
But when we see other teams play, we're willing to give them the benefit of the doubt, are we not? Yeah, well, it depends, I guess. I mean, overreaction Monday is always fun, but week one overreaction Monday is just ridiculous. It's it's insane. We got uh, poor Nathaniel Hackett getting fired out in Denver after one game. So, yeah, there's other. I mean, it's not just Eagles fans. But, yeah, you see it every year. Nobody learns from it. Last year, I, I think Green Bay got beat by 35 in week one, and, and Tennessee got beat by 20-something, and they were the two number one seeds when we got to the playoffs. So I know, and people um, see these things, and, and like they acknowledge them, and yet they don't, un, they don't use it. I don't get it. Yeah, uh, it's 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 a very emotional sport, um, you know, because they play so few games. So there's this, you know, visceral reaction when things don't go the way they're supposed to go. And you know, expectations come with expectations. So uh, so many people, Jody McDonald, my partner in the morning, I mean, he thought they were going to roll over the line. I know. And I kept telling him. I, I said, it's not. It's not going to be that easy this time. Yeah. And I pointed to that offensive line, and people don't realize Frank Ragnow wasn't there last year. He was hurt. Taylor Decker wasn't there last year. He was hurt. Um, and all of a sudden, those guys show up, um, and the Eagles have a tough time dealing with them. John, so that's something um, I brought up yesterday, was I thought the game plan by the Lions they stuck with it. They got down 17, but they never got away yeah. from the run. And because they trust, they were almost like the Eagles last year. Hey, we're going to play to our strength. Our offensive line's our strength. Let's run behind our offensive line. They didn't get away from their offensive line when they got down. They stuck with it. And because they started to run, I felt like the Eagles maybe took the foot off the gas a little bit, not thinking they were going to run. They were playing for a team that they thought was going to start throwing the ball. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Nick Sirianni mentioned that yesterday, and I asked Jonathan Gannon that today, and he admitted it as well. I mean, typically, if you get down 17 points in this league, most teams abandon the running game. And I think the Eagles did uh, believe that Detroit would abandon the running game, and they didn't. Uh, and they kept running it and running it, and they, they got back in the game with some you know, they were great on third down, so situational football was an issue as well defensively. They didn't play well defensively, but at the end of the day, I you know, the truth is usually pretty simple, and, and the truth is simple here. They missed 14 tackles, I think. It's 14 or 15. I, I mean, if you miss that many tackles, yeah, you're not going to have a good day defensively. Um, um, I, I think pro football focus rated them 32nd out of 32 when it came to tackling in week one. Right. Uh, they were the worst tackling team. That was your tweet a little while ago. They were 32 out of 32. I mean, and then I guess the fair question is, okay, uh, how do you fix that? Can you fix a bad tackling team, or uh, are we going to go through a season where you got a bad tackling team? No, I think part of it is they didn't do much in the summer. So people that were hand-wringing about that, yeah, it kind of showed up in week one. Um, but the good part of that is it'll get better. Um, it's not going to be this bad. The question is, is it going to be good? I don't know if it's ever going to be good because I do think, you know, one of the issues is, I mean, if you think about Hassan Reddick as a player, great pass rusher, undersized uh, guy in run support. Kaiser White, 
uh, great in pass coverage as a linebacker, undersized linebacker and run support. Um, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, that's not a real safety. Um, so I, I do think there is a potential to have to be a, a, a lower half tackling team. I, I don't think it's going to turn around to the point where we're going to be saying eight weeks down the road, well, they were just getting their sea legs under them because they didn't practice, they didn't play guys in the preseason, uh, and they're going to be a great tackling team. I think the ceiling probably there is, is probably middle-of-the-road tackling team. John, uh, the Jordan Davis stuff, I think that was the first question right out of the shoots today, which is what kind of impact can he have on this team? Obviously, when he was on the field, um, Detroit didn't run so well. I don't know what the sample size was, but 2.9 yards of carry with Jordan Davis on the field, yeah. 10 yards of carry when he was off the field. Do they acknowledge that maybe they need to add more of Jordan Davis, or is this something we're going to be frustrated with all season long? No, I, well, they didn't acknowledge it, but I don't think you're going to be frustrated uh, because I do think he's going to play more uh, as we get into it. I, I thought there was a little bit of arrogance playing the Lions. They thought it was going to be easy, like a lot of people thought it was going to be easy. Um, and they thought they could get away with the with the four-man fronts to take advantage uh, of uh, the pass rush a little bit more. Uh, as opposed to the odd man fronts, which are better against the run. I think the Eagles understand now that they need, they don't have the personnel to stop the run uh, in those even man fronts. So I, I think they're going to know pretty quickly. And it's not just Jordan Davis. It's it's Marlon Tui below too and, um, as well, because he played pretty well, um, which was a surprise. But <laughs> when I talked about the tackling, you know, that's another part of it. Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave, they didn't play well. So if they're going to play that poorly, it's going to be an issue. But I don't expect them to play that poorly. Well, I was going to ask you, when you saw Fletcher Cox, I mean, there's a lot of people who were done with Fletcher last year. Um, I think uh, this morning, I think it was Bob Groats on with you guys I was watching, who, who thinks he's cooked. Uh, do you watch those tackles? I mean, Hargrave got off to a good start last year with sacks at least. And then he kind of slowed down his team's focused on him more. But are we looking at a tackle combination that maybe is a little uh, past its uh, – Hargrave maybe not, but, but is Fletcher Cox – I mean, obviously he's not in his prime, but are we looking at two tackles who are not as impactful as they were or as we thought they were going to be? Well, I hope not, but if we are, it's going to be an issue. Uh, I mean, <clears throat> it's uh, – Javon's not a good run defender to begin with. As you mentioned, he's better pass rusher. Fletcher actually played pretty well last year. I don't agree with Bob on that one. Um, he just does it, you know, people are used to Fletcher Cox when he was, you know, maybe in the conversation to be the second best defensive tackle in the league behind Aaron Donald. He's Aaron's always first, obviously, but so they remember him for that and he's not that player. So they think he stinks. I think there's a wide range from number two to stinks. And I still think if you look at the film last year, he played at a pretty high level. Um, but in week one, he didn't play well. So if this is the start of a, a serious decline, then it becomes an issue. I, I think with Hargrave, it's more of 
he didn't do anything in the summer. So we talk about the Eagles not practicing, the Eagles not playing their starters. Well, he had a toe injury, and he missed, you know, the last two and a half weeks of practice totally. Showed up for week one, uh, was limited on Wednesday, was back out on the practice field by Thursday. So he had, he had two practices, really, before week one, and it kind of showed. So hopefully he gets back into football shape, and he's a little bit better. But if those guys continue to play that poorly yeah i mean the eagles defense is going to have an issue um what is the i heard you and jody going back and forth on this a lot i know he doesn't like barnett you and i seem to be on the same page and if he's a rotational player what's the impact of losing barnett do they get creative do they use fletcher cox on the outside more and does that get jordan davis more playing time do they use more milton williams how do they really um make up for the fact that I don't know how many snaps Barnett played. I forget the number I didn't have in front of me. But what, whatever role he was going to have, do they get creative or do they just kind of give more snaps to somebody uh, on that on the outside position? No, I think it's pretty much. I, I mean, the one thing they could do is is give Milton, as you mentioned, more snaps outside, um, and that would open the door a little bit more for for Jordan Davis and Marlin as well, Tui Pelotu, but. Um, you know, the most likely path is just, uh, you know, activate Teron Jackson, who was inactive in week one and, you know, slot him into that, uh, spot. And, and that would be my, uh, my biggest guess of what the Eagles would do. Milton would be second. Fletcher, I, I, I don't think they're going to move him to defensive end, nor should they. So, um, yeah, if you're talking about a declining player uh, who some people think can't play defensive tackle anymore, well, then he's not going to play a new position and play it well. Right. Uh, so I, I don't see that happening. Uh, Milton, the Milton one is interesting to me because he is versatile, um, but they seem to like him as a three technique. And they like Teron Jackson had a good summer, so I think he'll get the first opportunity if he can't do it. Maybe then they start looking for other avenues, but I'm sure you've gotten the Jason Pierre-Paul talk. Um, he's not coming in to be a, a third or fourth defensive end, nor would the Eagles want a 33, 34, whatever he is, guy playing. By the way, Barnett uh, played in 12, sna- 12 snaps, Barnett, before he got hurt. Yeah, but it would have been, remember, he got hurt. Yeah. I think it was third quarter, so he would have had, he would have had more. So you're talking probably... 2025 snaps uh, was the plan, um, and you don't you, you want to you have enough young uh, uh, bodies at defensive end uh, to to take care of that in house. Um, but they love Derek Barnett. Um, uh, Jonathan Gannett said it again today. Nick Sirianni says it all the time, uh, and there's. Look, he's got a tough time living down the fact that he was a first-round pick here. If if you could, you can get the men in black uh, mind-erasing device <laughs> and say this guy was a fourth-round pick, people would say, oh, that's pretty good rotational defensive end. And that was the role he was set for. Um, you know, defensively, obviously, 35 points, it's uh, not good. Uh, that being said, offensively, they scored 38 points, and yet there's still complaints about that, believe it or not. 
Um, the quarterback was. <laughs> now I haven't heard. I have to admit, I haven't heard many complaints. I don't know if they're the well, you, other than other than yeah. uh, Jalen's running it too much and he's going to get okay, hurt. I got I hear that. I got time. too many carries, which is fair, I guess. Yeah, didn't spread the ball around enough. Um, he was 18 of 32, so completion yeah, percentage fault, was a little right. low. So let's start with them. Uh, and Jalen Hurts' decision-making, his uh, propensity to take off, uh, let's start with that. Well, I think people don't understand the offense. I, I, I mean, this is a, 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 a high-low progression offense. So basically, uh, every pass play, he's got two uh, progressions. Occasionally, you'll, you'll have an outlet as a third, and that's it. Um, and usually when it comes to outlet or Jalen running the football, Jalen would be better than dumping it off, to be honest, uh, because he's so explosive as a runner. Um, that, in, a, in many ways, that's the modern NFL. So um, teams don't teach plays anymore. They teach concepts. Um, and that's what the Eagles do. It's it's a college-based offense trickling up to the NFL. So the, this thought process of full field progressions that you know guys like Joe Montana used to de- do under Bill Watt, they don't exist anymore. I just talked to a a former GM about this, and, and I asked him because there's still certain guys that can do it. You'll see one on on Monday night uh, with Kirk Cousins and, you know, obviously Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, people like that. Um, And and I said, I asked him flat out, I said, how many full field progressions you have in in the current NFL? He said, maybe one every seven or eight plays. And that's with those quarterbacks. It Uh, doesn't exist anymore. So (laughs) these people that think that, and by the way, if you want to see, and you don't believe me, Shane Steichen said it at his press conference today. Said it. So read the transcript. Fans out there, he told you. On cue, by the way, at 3.13, I got the Shane Steichen transcript right here. Yeah. So check it out. He explains uh, the whole process. And, and both, and I asked Nick Who Sirianni asked the question, by the way? Who asked the question? I don't remember who asked the question, um, but I asked uh, Nick about Devontae yesterday, and Nick said the same thing. It's our responsibility. And Shane said it's not Jalen's responsibility today. Uh, he said it. It's our responsibility because they have to be disciplined, and that's the word I use with Nick. They have to be disciplined and, and if it's going to be A.J. Brown on one play and Dallas Goddard as, you know, 1A and 1B, well, you got to mix it up. That's their job. That's not Jalen Hurts' job. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a lot of fans don't understand that. Okay. Uh, do you have any issue with the distribution, the target distribution? That was another. I, I did not. You, if Look, if the Lions aren't going to change their defense and you're going to let me throw it to my best player, all game, I'll throw it to him until they change. And if they don't change, I don't care if he gets 40 targets. I'll throw it to him. Yeah, I mean, I would have had an issue if he didn't go 10 for 155. Yeah, I mean, if they don't stop it, you saw the same thing with Jefferson in Minnesota. He had 180. 
if they're not if they're not stopping it, um, yeah, you keep going to the well. Uh, so there's no issue now. Yeah, you don't think South, in Minnesota South. they were saying, well, how come Jalen Rager didn't get any targets? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now down the road, I, I do think you know, and I saw it last year at the end of last season, Devontae was starting to get upset when it became more of a Dallas Goddard featured offense, and he would get frustrated at times. Look, if he's not going to get the ball consistently, he's going to start to get frustrated. But the coaches know that. Nick knows that. Shane knows that. I wouldn't be surprised if the first offensive play against Minnesota is to Devontae Smith because they know they have to give him the football. Well, I would imagine, though, teams are going to adjust their defense that if A.J. Brown's starting to beat him up, they're going to do something about it, and, and they're going to force the Eagles to find the, the – the second read, no? Well, it's easy to say. I mean, you know, AJ's got that sign of so always open. He's always open. Yeah. I mean, there's certain guys uh, that are always open. Dallas Goddard's always open. He was open uh, all day uh, on Sunday. Um, those guys get open. And if the if first, if, if AJ Brown is the first progression and he's open, the quarterback's job that's throwing the football, whether it's 13 times or two times or however many times. And he was open a lot. And you saw he was open a lot because he had a ton of success. Uh, so I have no issue. That's the offense. That's what Jalen Hurts is supposed to do. And I can't believe people are complaining about Jalen Hurts in week one because he won that game for the Eagles. They didn't win that. Everybody said that's the litmus test with Jalen Hurts. Are well, you, you winning because You brought up to me on Birds 365 in the summer about Jalen Hurts' contract price. If he has that game and that's his game all season long, does he get that number? Does he get that contract? If he plays that game and that's his weekly typical output, do the Eagles say you're getting $40 million a year? Yeah, well, that's the interesting question because Jeffrey Lurie doesn't want that type of quarterback. He wants the Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert type of quarterback to use the younger versions. Um, Jalen Hurts is never going to be that. So that's sort of a philosophical question uh, that, that Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman have to answer. But they're going to win a lot of football games if they play this way. Now there are there are some hand wringing about Jalen getting hurt, uh, and that's always a, a potential. But I, look, you can't legislate injuries, so you either take advantage of the player you have. And to Nick Sirianni's credit, that's his mindset, and he said it again yesterday. I don't I don't care if I have to throw it fifty times, run it fifty times. Um, Jalen has to run it twenty times. Whatever you have to do to win that particular football game, he's going to do. He's proven that mm -hmm. uh, through his first season, now one game through the second season. So, you know, the offseason is for Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman to talk about high-octane passing offense, and then he's going to get to week one, and he's going to try to win football games. They're going to win a lot of football games. But do you want to pay $40 million if you think a guy's going to get hurt? I, I don't know. The Eagles seem to believe they can legislate injuries. I don't believe that exists. Uh, if you look last year, 
People people say Jalen Hurts got hurt last year. He did. And he wasn't the same towards the end of the season because he was banged up. He got hurt in the pocket. Mm-hmm. Not out of the pocket. He got hurt in the pocket. Well, there's quarterbacks that get hurt in the pocket because they stand there and take a shot. You know, there's guys who get hurt because they take off and run. I think one thing Hurts does well is he does slide and get down. Uh, some of these guys, you know, Mike Vick didn't know how to slide. Wentz was terrible at it. Uh, Hertz does yeah. a good job of avoiding the big hit, and he does slide. I don't know if they count those, like, hands touching you or whatever as, as a hit or whatever, but it seems that he doesn't take a lot of big shots because he does know how to get down. Well, and, and then the second part, he does. He does a very good job avoiding big hits. And, and then the second part, I would say the assumption that He's going to run 17 times every week. It's just a flawed one as well. I mean, that's what they needed. And uh, moving forward, they won't need him to run 17 times a game. But he is going to run five to ten times. And he should uh, because that might be the strength of his game. Um, and I can't worry about injuries. As, as If I'm the coach of that team, tell me who's ready that week. And I'm going to use what they do well to win that game. That's what Nick Sirianni should do. That's his mindset. And the other people can worry about legislating injuries. Well, Can't did, do it. What did you think, John, of the Eagles' offensive line? Because we generally go into a week thinking that's the advantage. They're going to win up front. Did you think that the line dominated the, the line of scrimmage? Um, I, I think people are sport. I, I think they played well. I, you know, you'll see a bunch of clips out there from the offense, Baldy and the offensive line guys. I know Jimmy, Jimmy Kemsky put one up, uh, Lane Johnson, you know, um, Shane Steichen was just raving about him. He had a pancake. Kelsey had a pancake. Um, they're good. I think, uh, PFF had him as the fourth, uh, best offensive line in week one. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe that's not number one, but it's still pretty good. So people tend to be spoiled. There's a lot of bad offensive lines in this league. Detroit's um, not one of them. No, Detroit has very good. I warned people. They didn't listen to me, Mike. Yeah, I, oh, I warned agree. people. I agreed, and I thought, as we talked about at the beginning of this, for people who were just kind of tuning in, but in the beginning of this conversation, I, I, not only did they have a good offensive line, they stuck with their offensive line. They didn't abandon it. And their offensive line, I thought, I thought their offensive line was the difference in that game and keeping it close. They whipped the Eagles up front with their line. Yeah, they really whipped them. The tackles really whipped them uh, when it came to the pass rush. So, but I, I think people don't realize because it's the Lions that might be the best duo of tackles they they faced the entire season. The entire season. How about it? That's how good uh, Taylor Decker and. Uh, Panay Sewell is a very young player, but obviously top 10 pick. He's got tremendous talent. Uh, and he seems to be going in the right direction. Then you had Frank Ragnar, who's not even healthy. When you see that guy when he's healthy. Hmm. Um, and, and Jackson's, uh, uh, a Pro Bowl level guard. And Vitae's usually their other starter. He wasn't even available. They have a very good offensive line when everybody's healthy. Agree. And, you know, People don't know that. All right, Johnny Mac, real quick, let's uh, get a quick thought on the division. Uh, Jones is saying they're not going to put Dak on the IR because they think he can come back. 
Uh, with Dak, without Dak, is Dallas not as good as we thought, or are they still a contender? No, they're not a contender without Dak. I, I mean, you know, they're going to be rolling Cooper Rush out there, maybe Will Greer. Who knows? Um, they can't win football games that way. Um, already I had concerns over the Tyron Smith injury. Um, and, and, you know, can they survive three games? Maybe. But I, I think Jerry Jones is being very optimistic. That would put him back against Philadelphia. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's hoping against hope. Most people said six to eight weeks originally with that type of injury. Best case scenario. Um, maybe it's not as bad. Uh, who knows? But uh, I think if it's three weeks, they're trying to push him back for that particular game. So I don't know if that's going to be help, helpful. Uh, he probably wouldn't play well if you're forcing him onto the field anyway. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think it's shifted to Carson and the Commanders as right. the top. Uh, the so top you're, are you not buying into the Giants and what they did? Because no. they went on the road and beat the defending ASC number one seed down there. Yeah, I mean, it's week one. A lot of crazy things. It, 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 you know, it, it, people do these knockout pools or Suicide pools, uh, you know, you're not allowed to use that word anymore. Survivor so I'll pool. use knockout survivor. survivor. Yeah, we'll say survivor. I would have been knocked out because I would have <laughs> taken San Francisco over Chicago. Well, see, I told I, you, I, I don't like that team. I don't like the quarterback, man. Well, I, that and that's more about Chicago. I mean, I, I just want to survive week one. Now, maybe I, I would have thought. Well, listen, we did one here, and all three of us lost. The only guy who picked the winner was Josh. He took Baltimore. I took Cincinnati, and uh, PT and Ryan both took Tennessee. And I told him, I think the I, I think the culture is finally. I, I love Dable. That's who I wanted the Eagles to hire last year. Yeah, I think a lot of people probably picked uh, Denver last night as well, trying to get Seattle. Uh, a terrible team. Um, weird things happen in week one. You're right and I go, that. all yeah. so Green Bay, Tennessee, look it up. They both got blown out uh, last year, week one. Uh, they both were the number one seeds in their respective conferences. They didn't obviously win the Super Bowl, but uh, they had very successful uh, regular seasons. Um, people overreact to week one. And, and it, it'll come... Uh, it, you know, I was trying to say this morning, couldn't get it across to Jody. You know, people are worried about the Minnesota offense because if, if Detroit scored 35, what's Minnesota going to do? Well, their get? line stinks. Their line stinks, plus they're playing on the road. They're playing Minnesota, in the Eagles I feel home gets, I think Minnesota, although they, they scorched Philly a couple of years ago, but I feel like Minnesota gets into these situations and their offensive line when they now the Eagles have good pass rush, we hope, but we haven't seen it yet. So maybe that offensive line doesn't rear its ugly. Well, head. I, I will say they finally got some tackles, so they have their the Eagles are going to be facing a pair of good tackles for the second week in a row. Uh, but the interior line is terrible. They might have the worst starting center in football in Garrett Bradbury. Um, you know, it's time for Fletcher Cox and and and. Javon Hargrave to get back on it because this is a week where where they should be able to dominate. 
All right. Uh, tomorrow morning, 820, I'll be on uh, Birds 365. You can check that out on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. So if you want to hear more of John and I pontificating about the Eagles, tomorrow morning you can catch us uh, 820. John will be asking me the questions in that role there. We reverse the roles on Wednesdays. So. Yeah. All right, back and forth. It's all good, though, Mike. Well, all we, right, always, thanks, we tend to we tend to think alike. Yeah, we gotta we gotta call Jody off the ledge tomorrow. <laughs> all right, man. Take care. All right, thanks, John McMullen. Birds three sixty five weekday mornings eight a.m. Sports Illustrated. You can read his stuff over there as well. Mike Gill, Sports Bash. Get your game on at the Gallery Bar Book and Games Ocean Casino Resort this football season. And don't forget, go to our website. 973ESPN.com and enter to win a $50 Ocean Casino Resort gift card. Yep, $50 gift card for you just for entering. I'll announce three winning names on Friday. Enter to win, listen for your name during Happy Hour Friday with PT. If you win, $50 gift card is yours thanks to our friends at Ocean Casino Resort. I'm Mike Gill, and this is the Sports Bash. Now, back to the Sports For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Grainger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Grainger. For the ones who get it done. ESPN. All right, three thirty-six. Sports Bash, ninety-seven-three. ESPN. I'm Mike Gill. What's up? Uh, college football had its most watched game of the season. It's not hard to do. Only two weeks in. Really, three weeks in. You had the week zero. But Alabama, Texas on Fox had ten point six million. And keep in mind. That was the big noon game. So at noon on Saturday, it was a beautiful day, too. People were inside watching Alabama-Texas because that game was the most watched game this week. But I believe it was the most watched game so far this season. The next most watched game this week was Tennessee-Pitt, 4.5 million, Kentucky-Florida, 4.3, and then so on and so forth down the lane. But... Maybe primetime night games are no longer the way to go. Maybe it's a big noon game that you're going to start seeing all the big games at, right? I think the big thing is it's not the time of day, but it's the matchup. I think people want to see big matchups. I think people want to see the big games. It's like, for example, during LeBron James's Lakers run in the bubble to the championship, the games that LeBron played in almost doubled all the other games in the bubble viewership wise so do we just have to accept the fact that people want to see the big games the big matchups more so than the specific it obviously helps but there's a reason why they put the big games at certain times they have this thought that prime time is the time that you're going to be sitting in front of your television Especially during a weekday. You're not going to be watching a game at noon just because on a Monday because Texas and Alabama are playing. People are working. On a Saturday, that's a different story. But I'm a little surprised because, you know, you got places in the Northeast like where we are that this is still the time of the year 
where people can go to the beach. It's still nice enough out that you can go to the beach. You can still go out for a bike ride. You can still do outside things on a Saturday afternoon where you don't need to be sitting in your house watching Alabama play Texas. The previous weekend's viewership was this. Number one, the previous weekend was Notre Dame versus Ohio State that had 10.53 million. So that's two straight weeks of the number Wait, one game. That was a that was a primetime game. That was a night game, right? I was going to say I, that was like a seven thirty game. And the number two game was Sunday night, seven point five five. So you know that means two straight weekends people identified the biggest game of the weekend and scheduled themselves to be in front of a television. Listen, I love college football. I'm surprised that people are sitting there at noon on Saturday afternoon as nice as it was. I watched the game at noon mainly because, you know, my girlfriend was away. I was just kind of like, yeah, I'm not really, I don't have a lot of plans. I didn't have a lot of plans. I was basically, you know what, I'm going to sit here because West Virginia didn't play till six. That's right. So what I basically was, I'll watch the noon games and then I went out and did some stuff in the 330 pocket and then I got home for six o'clock to watch and got disappointed by the WVU game, which, by the way, was on ESPN+. Plus. That was a little bit of a chore for me to figure out. That was one of the games I actually got right this past weekend because I had West Virginia over the team total. They're terrible. Oh, the defense is terrible. Um, they scored ESPN 42 Plus. points. Now the they scored ESPN, 42 points, you should win a game. Well, they, got, they finally got a quarterback. Now they can't stop anybody. <laughs> um, the ESPN Plus... I figured out pretty quickly. The problem was, like a lot of times, I wasn't signed in. I didn't know my password. Had to figure out the password. You know, there should be something on there that says, like, I forgot my password. And then they ask you a question that, like, lets you know that I don't have to, like, just, like, okay, I forgot my password. What's your email? Okay, here's my email. We'll send you something. They're going to send me something. I got to click on it. Sometimes I don't even know what email I used. Oh, I didn't use that email. I used a different email. We don't have that email under just ask me a question. Right? Can't you just ask me something? Yeah, like your mother's middle name or Whatever. Something. Just ask me something that I can don't have to go to my email to go back. I mean, all of this. And the funny part is my girlfriend was in California. She's in East Carolina. And they were on ESPN Plus also at 6 o'clock. So she was trying to find the game to watch out there. And I told her, I said, the game's on ESPN+. Plus. She wrote, <laughs> BS, but <laughs> this is BS. I said, I know, I'm trying to figure it out. Once I get it, I'll, I'll get you the information. I think I ended up getting it. But it took me about 10 minutes to go through the whole process, process of, I didn't remember what email I used for ESPN+. Plus, and I didn't know my password. Then I had to go to my email, and it's just like, come on, man, make it easier. Just make things easier. That's all. Hey, they they don't. I think part of the biggest problem we're running into is the streaming services are going to eventually realize that convenience is king, and whoever has the most convenient setup is going to continue to be king. And the reason why Netflix is still number one. Even though they're the most expensive right now, Netflix has the highest price per month on a subscription and all the other streaming services. But Netflix has made themselves the most easy and convenient to access. And until the other streaming services catch up to that concept, 
they're going to continue to be second, third, fourth, Well, fifth. that's another problem. For instance, I have Netflix, right? I can get into Netflix pretty easily. I can yep. watch it at home. The problem was, like, I didn't have it on my phone. Then I downloaded the app to my phone. Well, of course, what happened when I went to my phone? They asked before, my password, password. and I don't remember what it is. Once I'm signed in, that's it for me, man. <laughs> like, if you sign me out, I'm screwed. I'm like, I, I don't know, man. I don't know the password. I'm not the kind of guy that uses the same password either. I was reading a story from CNBC, speaking of streaming services today. They interviewed the guy who's now in charge of Warner Brothers, HBO, Discovery. Mm -hmm. And he came out and just said, we're not charging enough for our services. Basically inferring that we're going to do everybody else do, which is, you know, up the price. And Good they, luck with that. It, well, here's the thing. The guy literally came out and said... We are not in the business to cater to just get new subscribers. Our job is to cater to our current subscribers. So I don't know how raising the price helps that conversation. But look, I think that eventually when, when we look back about 10 years from now on where we are right now, we're going to laugh, I think, Mike. Because I think that 10 years from now, some of these streaming services are going to be completely DOA. I think some of these streaming services are going to realize that they're going to have to merge with somebody. Well, I think you're going up. to see that. I think you're going to end up seeing much like Sirius XM. They were competing with each other. Nobody cared. They had to merge together because they couldn't contain themselves. Now, they have a product right now. It's Sirius XM. For those of you who remember, there used to be Sirius, Sirius and, and XM. XM. That lasted all of about two years before they figured, all right, we can't get enough subscribers for this. So they merged. Right. I have a hard time thinking that all of these streaming services can can coexist. Uh, they can't. They're going to have to. Somebody's going now. the the diff, The problem is a lot of these streaming services are owned by the the network, the cable network. It's you know ESPN Plus, Disney is Disney Plus. So I can't imagine they all like. You're not going to see Paramount Plus merge with. Disney Plus and no. Peacock, it's the other ones. It's the answer. It's but Amazon Prime's not going to bow down. They got all no. the money, and Apple, neither is Netflix. Right. Well, Netflix is hemorrhaging money. Well, they are. But does well? How does Netflix fix that? They're the only streaming service that have sports. Do they get involved in sports, Listen, or do they join forces with somebody who has sports? If by now people out there haven't figured that you need to get on sports, I don't know what else to tell you. The only reason the networks are still open for business is because of sports. If it wasn't for sports right now, you wouldn't see 3, 6, and 10. They'd be done. 3, 6, and 10 wouldn't exist if you didn't have sports anymore. By the way, it's funny you mention that because one of Disney's biggest minority investors came out and admitted this weekend that he was wrong. He said that Disney needs to get out of the ESPN business and sell it several months ago. Now he's saying, I was wrong. We can't sell ESPN because this sports thing makes a lot of money. It's the only thing making money. <laughs> God's sakes. Sports Bash, how weird was it last night hearing Buck and Aikman doing Monday Night Football? I thought they did great. Of course they did, but I'm saying, like, just the feel of it was, this is different. The feel for me was, I thought it was cool. How much of the Manning cast did you watch? Just the fourth quarter. I went to the fourth quarter because... The nuts want, and bolts of the game. It was at the point of the game where I was I wanted to stay awake, so I need a lawyer. Wow. Buck put you to sleep. 
I was able to put me to sleep, but the game quality put me to sleep. 609-403-0973. Text your thoughts on week one in the NFL. It's now in the books. Week one in the books. Mike, biggest week one observations. Send them to me. Guys, Vegas tells everyone how to look at their team and perceive how they should win-lose. I'm a better for sure, and I don't know one gambler that won this past week. Maybe I hang out with the wrong guys then. But either way, week one told me that we're heading into overreaction week where the bad teams are great and the great teams stink, and the world turned on its access. That's from Matt in Delaware. Matt, you're right. If you bet this week, you had a rough day at the office. Although I hit a mega parlay. You hit a mega parlay just on the Eagles game, right? That yeah. Was just the Eagles. My Eagles. You had like, what, like 10 legs? I think I remember reading. I don't think it was that many. You had a lot. It might have been five. I think it was a five-legger. You still had a lot going on. Oh, yeah. It, it was definitely. But you got it right. And you know what? It's one of those things where sometimes you just know. Sometimes you just have a feel for the game. Well, I mean, I got lucky. But you got lucky based on information. <laughs> you didn't get lucky. I'm not sure based... what information I had here. My, here they were. Okay. I had Eagles minus two and a half first half. Jalen Hurts over 219 and a half passing yards. Jalen Hurts 39 and a half rushing yards. AJ Brown 59 and a half receiving. Amon Ross St. Brown 39 and a half yards receiving. Dallas Goddard 34 and a half receiving yards. And Eagles over three and a half touchdowns. One, two, three, four, five, six. So I hit seven legs. We're good. I feel good. More good. sports bash coming up. Now, back to the sports. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. I got the Phillies lineup for you. Back in action tonight down in Miami. Schwarber, Hoskins, Harper, Real Muto, Bohm, Stott, Segura, Maton, Marsh. Bailey Falter on the mound tonight. So you got uh, Harper back in the three spot. Bohm is in the five spot. So they flipped him from three to five. Real Muto goes up to four. And Bohm hits five. Stott, six. Segura, seven. Nick Maton is in the eight hole tonight. And uh, Marsh is playing center field and batting ninth for Bailey Falter tonight. They will face Sandy Alcantara. I would say the name that stands out to me the most is Maton getting uh, some more playing time here. Yeah, well, uh, I'm imagining with uh, Alcantara, he's a right-handed pitcher. You're going to get the left-handed bat, Maton, over Veerling. Right. And uh, that's the spot there. Um, you know, they don't have a lot of options out there in the outfield. Not until no, Castellanos. Haven't heard much on him on Castellanos. Dude, it's like if he just disappeared. It's like, remember remember for months it was, this Castellanos sucks. And then it was, he had this amazing month of August. And then it's just like, he just disappeared off the face of the earth. Well, he's hurt. He's on the uh, injured list. And he's I guess uh, we'll see what happens when he is uh, eligible to come back. They need him. That lineup uh, looks a little thin without him. And he was starting to hit, too. He was starting to get hot. He hit around 300 for the month of August. Hey, when we come back, it's football at four. Adam Kaplan was Jalen Hurts running too much, which could, 
What could have been the different difference in that someone tells Adam Kaplan, he talks to scouts after the game, how about Miles Sanders? And do the Eagles need to try to find a short yardage running back? We got all that and more coming up. It's Adam Kaplan joins me for another edition of Football at Four. Often imitated, never duplicated. Right here on the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. 97.3 ESPN presents the Sports Bash with Mike Gill. It's time for Football at Four with Adam Kaplan. I have real confidence that our football operations uh, can once again create a dominant football team. Powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. Now, live from inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, it's Football at Four. And Football at Four is powered by the Inside the Birds podcast podcast inside the birds.com check out the inside the birds pregame and postgame show on all of their social media platforms including youtube jeff mosher and this man he is the third member of the nwo adam kaplan jumping on board here on the sports bash live 97.3 espn adam kaplan welcome back man mike but see i never made my heel turn though i was always a heel <laughs> bad guys what did uh scott hall say bad guys uh, i can't remember but uh yeah that, that that's for those of you who, who who don't know what we're talking about it's a professional wrestling yeah. reference uh, by the me. way these odds these odds just got sent to me eagle super bowl 20 to 1 and now down to 14 to 1 division plus 120 oh. now minus 200 so uh a big turn even though Adam, fans were not 100% thrilled with what they saw on Sunday. They weren't. No, I, it's so funny you say that. So so earlier today, I've been out and uh, seeing someone at a supermarket said to me, he goes, what's wrong with us? And the guy didn't even say hello to me. And I just, dude, what's wrong with you? He looked, like, I guess he knows who I am. And I was laughing. I was like, well, it's the first game. Strange things happen. They still scored a ton of points. They did some good things defensively, some things that were terrible defensively. Uh, they They should feel fortunate they won, but they did. And good teams find ways to win. I keep telling people that. I know people don't want to hear that, but that's uh, we we always call things down the middle. We're not fans. We're fans of football. We're we're we're, object, we're objective. So though it's good for our business, our company when the Eagles do well, but you know we have to be object, uh, objective. And it was certainly a mixed bag game, but the good was phenomenal. I mean, you you got to feel great about AJ Brown. Some good things that Hurts did, particularly with his legs and. Mike, it's typical of week one. There's there's just a lot of things that go in week one that you can't account for where you go, wow, I didn't think that was, I didn't, where did that come from? And that kind of stuff happened. Yeah, and uh, I guess one of them, and, and, you know, I guess this will be an evolving thing. Uh, Jalen Hurts, a lot of people, oh, he ran 17 times. Did he run too much? And, and if so, what could have been different? Well, okay, so when he dropped back, almost all of those runs he did on his own because he had to. <laughs> For the most part, there were a couple throws where he could have hung in there and, 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 and stepped up in the pocket. I'm telling you, almost all of them, not all, but almost all of them, maybe save two or three, uh, he, 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 had to, he had to go. Like anyone, any quarterback, even if it was you know, like Jared Goff, who's really stationary, he would have run. I mean, you would have to go. And uh, I have to tell you, this is the most explosive we've seen Hurts. He's not someone you would say was explosive. He was shifty in the past. I don't know if he did... Like I'm someone who gets stretched, you know, two or three weeks, it's three, two or three days a week for tennis. I don't know if he gets stretching. I know they all get stretched, but did he get 
a lot of stretching leading up to the game. He was so explosive on that carpet in Detroit, Mike. I, I, I could not believe it. So so the question is good. Could have they done anything different? Any time he dropped back in the first half, he was under siege, actually. For, for a lot of the game, he was under siege. It was just their, their line had some, some – they missed on some blocks. It just uh, – that was the problem. We're, on tomorrow's Inside the Birds, we're talking about that. We'll give you uh, what, our, what our sources told us from tape study, but in terms of who, who made the mistakes. But the fact of the matter is – um, no, they don't run him when I'm running that much. I, the f- sweet spot for running for him should be five to seven times a game, uh, up where Josh Allen is. And that's it. And by the way, he threw the ball 32 times. That, that's the number that I gave John Hanson, exact number I gave John for the season. He asked me, and I said 32 times, about five or six more per game than last season. When they were running the ball, they were, he was around 26. Per, after, Mike, after they became a running team, he was throwing a ball about 26 times per game. That's not enough. 32, 32, 32 times a game to me is pretty good. Yeah, and uh, he was what? Uh, I think he threw 32 exactly, right? Uh, that was yes. the number that he threw. Yeah. So Hertz yep. throws 32. He runs 17. You're saying a lot of those runs he had to run. Uh, so yeah. we'll see how that changes in week number two. Let's go to Miles Sanders because 96 yards. He had a touchdown. He had the big run late in the game that really sealed the deal uh, for them. And they gave him 13 carries. Not a whole heck of a lot, but... Uh, 13 for 96 with the touchdown. What you think of the usage there for Miles Sanders? Loved it. I thought for a guy who'd missed over four weeks, you have to worry about the conditioning. He was never in danger of playing. Like two years ago, they made a decision because he was coming back from a, a decent hamstring strain not to play him. They, if the game meant something two years ago, it was like the playoffs he would have played, but they didn't want it to linger. This thing was healed two weeks ago or so, uh, but they – you know, they, they practiced last – the week prior to the game, he practiced for a couple of days. He ramped it up last week. But you don't want to overwork him when he's been out for a while. And I, I just thought 15 touches, 13 in, in the run game. He caught both passes, looked good in that doing that. One was for 11 yards. I thought overall he, he, I liked it. Now, does it mean this week, this Monday night against Minnesota, the home opener, he can't have 15 to 17 carries? That, his sweet spot for carries should be 13 to 15 a game. He's so much more capable of catching the football. He's actually really explosive in the pass game. But His rookie year he was. Oh, it was unbelievable, Mike. Exactly. That I could still ironically, I could still see that that uh that pass down against Minnesota bomb down down the field from Wentz to Sanders. Yeah, I could see that in twenty nineteen. It at Minnesota. So yeah, he can do it. But that's what Gainwell can do as well. Well, with that, you like the way they use Sanders. You mentioned Gainwell, Boston Scott. Uh, also had four carries for 10 yards in the game. Gamewell, by the way, five for 20. That's four yards of pop. Uh, but the Eagles still need that short yardage guy. Uh, it, look, Trey Sherman will be that guy as long as he does what he's supposed to do in, in practice. They have to give him a shot. And there's, there's, you, you've got a, one big guy on the roster. That's Trey Sermon. They don't, it's not that they need to dress Mike for running backs, but what's going to happen? The four-minute offense is basically when you're up in a game, you need a back like Jordan Howard who could salt the game away, where you just give it to this guy, let him grind out carries. Sermon, some people think, is too finesse for a guy's size. He needs to be more powerful. And this is Ironically, this is why the, the Bears traded Jordan Howard to the Eagles, because they thought he would not use his size correctly, and then he went to Philly. He sure did. So that's why Sermon's on the roster. At some point, as long as he does well in practice, that should be his role. Uh, they got away with. They're, the way that they grind and carries late in the game, uh, I, 
Shortage that got away with it. It was it was interesting. Is there somebody that made the game day roster that didn't get any that didn't have a role that they can then evaluate and then maybe make Sermon active and deactivate that? Was there somebody that was activated Sunday that didn't really have a role in at any position? Yeah, I'm just I, I'm just I didn't see the snap. Like, was there somebody that was activated Sunday that really huh. just didn't play that well, they could play a fourth game. that they could play a fourth running back? Oh, 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 that, that, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Instead of ke- keeping Sermon up and keeping someone down, but no, what I was saying is Dean only played three snaps. But, uh, yeah, I, I hear you. Oh, oh, by the way, they only had a, they only had, a, had to have six inactives because they only had dressed 52 players on the 53 man roster. So that was not even a factor. It's just that they didn't think Thurman's ready yet. I get it. I, I didn't, we didn't think he was going to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Kayvon Wallace played, like, does he play special? Cause he had two snaps. Well, here's the problem, though. They only dressed three safeties for that game. Blankenship was gotcha. inactive. So, uh, no, but at some point over the next three or four games, Sermon should be able to get some short yardage stuff. But they got away with it. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens against Minnesota Monday night with a running back. All right. Uh, let's uh, take a look at A.J. Brown, dominant. Uh, but where was his partner in crime, Devonta Smith? And is this going to be a problem uh, i don't have a problem look if the lions aren't going to change their coverage i'm going to throw the ball to my best player uh, but can they keep this up well what happened is and why Devontae smith didn't get the ball brown was one really i have to double check i was told he was not double team but i, I i'm going to ask someone else if they saw the same thing i did AJ not see them change their coverage much well no Am- amaria warrior who who who's a actually a talented guy but has given up a lot of big plays in his career He's six one. He's actually technically taller than Brown. Brown's six foot seven tenths of an inch. He's but he plays like he's six four. He was unbleeping. I can't curse here, but <laughs> I'll just say he was unbleeping believable. He just I, I when when uh, Mosher and I did a live stream at the time of the trade, you know, I, I couldn't control my enthusiasm for this trade. I'm not a fan, but I'm a fan of this player. You know, we're supposed to be objective. I knew how great he is. Like, don't let the numbers fool you last year. He had nothing to do with why he didn't get the ball a lot. Run based offense. Running back Henry gets gets hurt. They pull the air out of the run game, out of the pass game. They just you can't ask Ryan Tannehill to throw the ball a lot. He struggles when you get put too much on him. And he's in an offense now. We're going to throw the ball more. And it was unbelievable. He just was so physically dominant, and his ability to run after the catch is special. He doesn't get enough credit for that. And he averaged 15 yards plus per catch in this game. And he he is special. He'll easily. I don't know if he'll play 17 games because of the condition of his knees for the long term. But if he plays 15 games, Mike will have around 100 catches plus. All right, uh, offensive line, I want to get your thoughts on that. Uh, and they're blocking versus the pass. You know, obviously a lot of people look at the Eagles offensive line as a dominant group and that they're going to be, uh, you know, they're going to get the check mark in most matchups. What do you think of them on Sunday? I would say this, Mike, the one the one issue that you had, they were not ready for the blitz. They just were not ready for Aaron Glenn doing what he did. He threw the kitchen sink at him. I know they scored 31 points. Well, much of that is because of the run game and a little bit in the pass game with Brown. Uh, and some big plays from Hurts to Brown. But the fact of the matter is uh, the, they have to do better pass blocking. That was not good. And Minnesota, by the way, has got a better pass rush. They've got better personnel in their front seven. And you're going to see that on Monday night. We'll talk more about this on Friday, but trust me, that was an issue. Uh, run defense. This has been a Ooh. big story. Ten yards Ooh. to carry, Adam, when... Jordan Davis was not on the field. 2.9 yards a carry when he be was careful, Mike. on careful. the field. So Yeah, be careful with run that. Run defense they, they, was poor. What do you say? I hear you. Be careful. Yeah, but what I'm going to tell you, Jordan Davis, just 
I, I'm going to be, I'm trying to be as nice as I can for the people who are thinking like Jordan Davis had a reason to do with that three yards per carry when he was on the field. You're not watching the tape. We were told by, Moshe and I were told like three people. It's not factual. He did have some plays where he definitely helped, but to think like, as you'll hear, you're, you, you, I'll give you a nugget. You'll hear us shoot this down on, on, on uh, today, tomorrow's show. It's not factual. It, it, there were a couple plays where you could say, okay, particularly in short yards. Remember, some of those plays he was in on were short yards. Of course, that the, the yards per carry are going to be smaller. Come on. There you go. It, it, yeah, it, it, just be careful. People throw out narratives. And I don't get involved with Twitter anymore. I just don't shoot stuff down anymore on Twitter. I used to years ago, but I, it's a waste of time because people don't have access to the information that's real. Just let them think what they want. This is why you listen to Inside the Birds in our segments here. To, we shoot you straight. But another thing, Drew Davis was never going to play a lot. I don't know where this came from. He, he, he's got a long way to go. He's very gifted. But it's technique, assignment, weight, conditioning. I don't know where people thought he was playing a lot. We, we didn't talk a lot about it in the summer because we knew he wasn't going to play a lot this season. Maybe later in this, like mid-season, maybe a little more. Yeah. That sweet spot's 20 to 25 plays a game. That, that to me, what he is. And now... The, the, the guys in front of him have to play better. They did not. They did not do well against the run. The uh, the guys up front. That was bad. All right. That was definitely. Not good. What about the pass rush? We you know we got new toys. You got yeah. Hassan Reddick. Where was the pass rush? Non-existent. Uh, Reddick Reddick was given a chance to rush the pass. He couldn't get home. Uh, I put some of this on the coaches. Gannon's got to free him up a little bit better. I know he's new to the team. Boy, Reddick was tremendous in training camp. I get that there's no tackling. It's different speed. Totally get that. Very fair. But this is this is the regular season. He's got to be a joker. You got to figure out, find out where the weakness is on the defense and, and, and on the offensive line and exploit it. Yeah, that was, Goff does not move very well. That was bad. Yeah, he's, yeah. Uh, uh, Gannon, I know Gannon's being sort of unfairly criticized. People are loving and fired already. This is crazy because people stop. Gannon's got to do a better job. I get that. We're not sparing him totally, but be careful with what you're saying. I think you, I think my people are crazy going overboard with Gannon stuff. Uh, yep. I think, uh, look, I, I likened it yesterday, Adam, to getting new toys on Christmas, ripping them out of the box and not reading the instructions before you play with them. You got to kind of read the instructions and get a game or two to kind of figure out what you want to do with some of these new yes, pieces. Exactly. And uh, let's look at real quick the coverage at the back end. They had a good start to the game. What you think yeah. of the new secondary? I thought that there needs to be a little bit more disguise. We didn't see enough of it, to, 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 to be quite frank here, and I'll leave it at that. They, they have to be better. They, boy, their zone drops were good in the first half. They covered lanes. I'm very, I mean, I know Kaiser White could cover, but boy, T.J. Edwards was actually also pretty good in coverage for the most part. They shut down Hawkinson, but the back end is where they, they struggle in the second half uh, when they're up 17. Gannon will learn from that. But we're look, we, we, we went after Gannon pretty hard last season because it was all factual. It was all backed on by sourcing and tape study uh, from our sources. But we try to be fair. It's strictly tape study. It's not TV. It's not conjecture. It's not. It's based on the facts. And Gannon did not do a good enough job last season. We called him out repeatedly from our sources from around the league. And we're going to do that this season. It's warranted. I think a little bit of the stuff that's coming out is over the top. And we'll leave it at that. By the way, hard work pays off. Dreams come true. Bad times don't last, but bad guys do. He's a oh, heel, Scott Adam Hall. Kaplan. That's Scott Hall. Yeah, <laughs> the late great Scott Hall. There you yeah. go. All right, another edition of football at four in the books. We'll talk Eagles Vikings Monday night on Friday's edition with Adam Can't Kaplan. Wait. That's going to be a good one. We'll see. Be great game. All right, Adam. Appreciate it, bud. Thanks, man. See. You. All right, Adam Kaplan uh, here on the Sports Bash Football at Four. 
every day right here, 4 o'clock, InsideTheBirds.com and the Inside the Birds podcast. They got the Inside the Birds pregame show, which you can check out on their YouTube channel, Inside the Birds. Tomorrow, Jeff Mosher's here as we kind of turn the page to Minnesota. Vikings look good on Monday night. Actually, who's in, who's out at 440 today? I had the Vikings as my division winners, so I don't feel that I should be uh, changing that. Hey, starting Monday, your chance to win Eagles tickets. I got the details coming. Keep it locked. I'll tell you how. More Sports Bash coming up. This is 97.3 ESPN. Now, back. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. With Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN, South Jersey's sports leader. Sports Pass Live, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Go to our app right now, and you can win a $50 gift card to Ocean Casino Resort. Three winners in all. I'll announce the name on Friday during Happy Hour Friday. Go to the website, enter to win, listen for your name. It's that simple. Get the app. You can win with the Sports Pass and the app. Huddle up, folks. It's time for the Caesars Sportsbook Report. First things first, your first bet with Caesars. It's on Caesars, up to $1,250. Download the app and use the promo code RADIOFULL and then place your first bet. If you win, congrats. If not, you get your stake back as a free bet. Open to new users in Jersey who are 21 or older. If your qualifying bet loses, the bet amount will be returned as a credit. You must use within 14 days. See Caesars.com slash promo for full terms. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, uh, let's take a look at the headlines, some of the big things going on around the NFL, sports in general. What are some of the big sports stories? What do you got? What do you got? What do you got? Well, I want to start with the Eagles. This just came down a couple minutes ago. The Eagles have officially placed Derek Barnett on the injury reserve, and they have signed Janarius Robinson from the Vikings practice squad. Don't know much about Janarius Robinson. I would imagine he is not going to be a factor uh, in the game day rotation. He's probably somebody that, you know, they want to get somebody in. They like their his, you know, I think he, was he from Florida State? Is that Janarius Robinson from Florida State? I think so, yeah. I'm still looking up his information. If uh, The big thing to me is... He was a fourth-round pick. Vikings practice squad. Right, he's a guy... That uh, was a fourth-round pick last year. Um, no, I don't think you're going to see him. The big thing is Derek Barnett. And I know people don't like Derek Barnett. Derek Barnett is a rotational player. As a rotational player, eh, you could do a lot worse. John McMullen was on in the 3 o'clock hour. He's right. If, if he is not a first-round pick and he was just a fourth-round pick, you're okay with him being a rotational player. It's the right. fact that he was the 14th pick in the draft and didn't live up to the hype, and he has bonehead penalties. I understand all that. But I think this shortens their pass rush, right? He, he, this shortens their pass rush, and they got to find out and figure out a way. 
I've heard Jason Pierre-Paul's name thrown out there. Uh, there's some veteran players that uh, are on the street right now because yeah. a lot of teams didn't want to sign them before week one. Correct. Because they now don't have guaranteed contracts. So it's a fluid spot there, but Barnett being out hurts more than people are going to give it credit for. Yeah, I don't think Rob is going to have a big impact. I just, I know how the Eagles think. They went out and got a guy from the Vikings. He's been there for a couple of years in Minnesota on and off the practice squad. He knows their system. They well, he's only some... been there. He was there one year. He was drafted last year. Right. So he wasn't he's... there with Gannon. No, but my point is that he's there for the current administration last week. So they feel like between training camp and now, maybe he can give them a little information. He's a nice you're, size yeah, guy, but he's classic, not a big impact. Right. You're classic, hey, this is what Minnesota likes to do on defense. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, some good news overall. T.J. Watt's season is not over. He will not have to have surgery on his pectoral. He will miss about six weeks, according to Adam Schefter. So at least the T.J. Watt injury that knocked him out of the game on Sunday is that season ending. Yeah, and I'm happy that he's a player that you like to watch. But uh, I don't think... Uh, Pittsburgh. I don't know. They they uh, won their, you know, know, they beat Buffalo last year in week one. And look, Pittsburgh, to me, it all depends on the quarterback. They got a good team. The defense is pretty strong. But you lose Watt for six weeks here. That could put them in limbo. And the next thing you know, you know, without, I don't know. Do we think Trubisky will give them better quarterback play than Roethlisberger did last year? I mean, maybe a little better because he can move. And Roethlisberger good it. And if that's the case, are they better? I think they're maybe a, a win or two better. I, I think the biggest problem last year was Roethlisberger was so past his prime that they were they were hoping that Roethlisberger could reach back every once in a while and give you a little magic, and he just couldn't do it enough. Whereas you saw on Sunday's game, Trubisky had a couple throws where he was able to scramble away from the pressure, get his feet set, make the throw. And it was a big part of them winning that game. Yeah. Well, look, week one, all sorts of craziness happens. And that game was crazy. You got McPherson, who's the hero for the Bengals, making kicks in the playoffs. Misses an extra point, gets it blocked. Missed a 41-yarder, right? To, to, in overtime. In overtime. He would have won the game in overtime, and he shanked it left. It was insane. Gotcha. Uh, other injury news to hit on. Uh, Trent McDuffie is on the short-term injury reserve with a hamstring injury, so he will not play Thursday and then three more weeks. So uh, you do have that interesting note because, remember, the Chiefs coming off a short week, got to play Thursday night. Yeah, and he didn't play a lot. I mean, he played like 21 snaps in that game, so I would imagine um, we didn't get enough of a look at him to see the impact, but, you know, he was playing, he was starting for them, and he was a first-round pick for them, so I will uh, imagine this will hurt Kansas City's pass defense a little bit against a pretty tough opponent. I got Justin Herbert on my fantasy team. I could see. I, I'd like to see a little light up of the scoreboard. <laughs> hoping for it. I'm always hoping for it. Of course you are. Um, the Colts are changing kickers pretty quickly. Uh, Rodrigo Blankenship is done in Indianapolis. The former Georgia kicker is out. The Colts are signing Chase McLaughlin and Lucas Haversick. Well, listen, he missed a 42-yard field goal to win the game. Then he kicked two balls out of bounds. 
Blankenship was, you know, the guy that in Georgia, you remember for the people out there who watched Georgia a couple of years, the guy wears the glasses, the yep. goggles, and he was like, a, you know, a pretty well-known kicker, right? Yeah. He just has not translated nope. uh, very well to the pro level here, and uh, he probably will be like most of these kickers, um, vagabonding across the NFL as kickers come and go, get workouts every single week. They worked out Josh Lambeau. Mm-hmm. Um this, uh, well, no, they brought him in now, so I would imagine that he would be the guy. They worked him out. What? Well, according to Tom Pelissero. Today, the, they worked the, him out today. The Colts right now have McLaughlin and Haversick on the practice squad. And they're right, but elevate they brought one Lambeau of them in. For Sunday's game. Gotcha. They might elevate one of those guys for this week. If they did bring Lambo in, who's a veteran. They brought him for a workout. Today, yeah. yes. So they obviously um, are going to... Uh, be going through kickers like so many teams out there, too. <laughs> you can't not laugh about it because it's so insane. Oh, look at the Vikings for years. Couldn't find a guy. The Bears haven't been able to find a kicker. You know, the double doink. They've still been going through kickers there. Uh, all these teams. The Eagles are lucky. I mean, they have Elliott. He's been solid. You know, the Eagles have really had some good field goal kickers. Uh, for those who watched last night's game, you might remember that uh, Jamal Adams left the game. Yeah. It looks like he has a torn quad, according to Ian Rappaport. A tough injury, man. And he could be done for the year. Yeah, and Jamal Adams, it's funny. Uh, not funny, I mean, but he just seems so out of place. Like, they made that big trade to get him. They traded a lot like, of They picks. were going for it, and now he's on a team that just basically is like, you know, kind of stuck in the middle. They don't know what they are. I don't know what their identity is. But their defense played really well last night. Shelby Harris made a big difference. I thought um, uh, Quadra, uh, uh, Quadre Diggs, the safety, mm-hmm. was all over the place last night. Sidney Jones is on that team. He is. You think uh, they maybe try Sidney Jones at safety, too? No, he played well at corner. I mean, their corners are, are decent. I mean, they played well last night, they were anyway. Well, no, but I, I mean, yeah. losing him. They built their defense around getting him, and now he's hurt, and they're, you know, they got to start over. It's a shame when that happens. You lose, like, T.J. Watt. Now you lose um, Jamal Adams. These are some of the best players in the league. He played 15 snaps, and he's gone. He has an $18.1 million cap number. This might be good news for Cam Akers' fantasy football owners. Jeez. The Rams are placing Kyron Williams, one of their running backs, on injured reserve. And to replace him on the roster, they're signing veteran long snapper Matt Overton. So maybe uh, fantasy football owners are hoping this means Cam Akers gets more touches. Well, did you read the text board? Somebody texted in about... uh... Cam Akers, that was his big takeaway. Look, he had three carries. Uh, I think one of the big things was, if you watch some of the tape on that game, Cam Akers doesn't block. Nah. And um, McVay said after that game that Akers needs to play with an increased level of urgency. And if you watch the tape, the urgency is you don't want to block. So you don't want to block. It's going to be hard for you to get on the field. I got a little more Thursday football news for you, Mike. Tom Pelissero. For this Thursday or next Thursday? This Thursday. Or last Thursday. No, this Thursday. Gotcha. Tom Pelissero is reporting that Keenan Allen is unlikely to play Thursday oh, night. Yeah. 
So it, you have McDuffie out on one side and Allen out on the other. So that's he also has swap. a hamstring injury. Not really an even swap. Allen's probably more accomplished. <laughs> Allen, I could argue, is a top uh, ten. Probably receiver. more accomplished. Definitively more accomplished. <laughs> Would you say uh, Keenan Allen's a top ten uh, wide receiver? Top ten right now? No. I mean, he's good. I don't know if he's top ten. You want me to rattle off a couple? Well, that I, I would take ahead of him. Like, who would you take ahead Justin of Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown, Devontae Adams, Jamar Chase. How many is that? Yeah, I'm at four. Cooper Cup. Five. Stephon Diggs. All right. Six. Um, I don't disagree with any of these so far. Uh, I'm doing this off the top of my head. Mike Evans. All right. Seven. How about... You got to uh, find me three more. Yeah, three more. Give me, uh, let me, let's see, three more. I'm trying to do this off the top of my head, so excuse me if I'm forgetting somebody. Well, like, for example, are you talking about Oh, like DeAndre Samuel? Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins. I'm when he's right healthy. Right. Uh, Debo Samuel, I take ahead of, of uh, Keenan Allen. See, I would take Keenan Allen ahead of Debo, because I think part of Debo's value is how they use him in that backfield or end around. I think Allen's a better route runner. Um. Then you get into those other guys like the CD Lambs. I'm, I'm not sure I'm ready to go there yet. I think he probably has more talent than Allen, but Allen's more accomplished. I think Allen's got better hands too. Um, how many did I give you? Give me nine. Tyreek Hill. I think Tyreek Hill is not as good a route runner as Allen either. I think he's got better hands than Tyreek. Oh, well, I mean, too. he's just more explosive of a player. Well, yeah, but there's a lot of guys who are explosive. Um, there are some guys that are explosive that aren't productive. He's explosive and productive. How about Michael Thomas when he's healthy? When he's healthy. Right. That's another guy I'd probably take ahead of Keenan Allen. I mean, he's probably top 15. Okay. Top 15. I like DK Metcalf, by the way. Tyler Lockett. Both those guys are pretty darn good. Uh, Chris Godwin when he's healthy. By the way, uh, the news yesterday, for those who didn't see, Godwin's going to be okay. It's just a, it's hamstring. a, it's a hamstring pull. And the top bowl said it's not as serious as they thought. So that's good news. So DK Metcalf is another one I mentioned. So probably about 15. Okay. Yeah. And then, look, you got that young group, the C.D. Lambs, Jerry Judy, Devonta Smith, all those kids that they're not there yet. A.J. Brown. I mentioned A.J. Brown. He's top 10. He was top 10. I had him. I didn't. He's not number two on my list, but he was the second guy I mentioned. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. By the way, Mike Trout is uh, attempting to become... The fourth hitter in Major League history to homer in eight consecutive games tonight. It's wild. Yeah. By the way, the home run he hit, uh, it was a Sunday. I mean, that must have gone at least 450 feet. It was a bomb. Yeah, he's... Uh, he's not hitting like little you know bloopers over the fence here. This is one of the most memorable hot streaks, and it's kind of getting lost in the sauce a bit because he plays late at night and football's here, but he would join Ken Griffey Jr., I remember that streak. He was nuts. Don Mattingly was bonkers. Don Mattingly had like a grand slam streak going in 87. I contend that if Mattingly actually could have stayed healthy, he could have gone down as one of the best Yankee hitters all time. Yeah, Donnie Baseball was oh, had the back problems. but Always the but back Just problems. the people at Homer. Uh, Trout homered for the seventh straight game last night. By the way, the Angels are three and four in games that he has homered. 
I guess that back problem he has isn't a big problem. By the way, Trout, for a season that... I, if I think if you ask people, hey, what kind of season is Trout having? Oh, he's pretty good. He's hitting 279 with 35 homers. And uh, the 35 homers, I think, is the eye-opening number. Which is more important? Which is more impressive? I should say, is it the Mike Trout homer streak, or was it Zach Gallon's? What was it? Forty-four innings without allowing a run streak. I don't know that one's more impressive than the other. I would say to homer in eight straight games. But I will go with the scoreless streak. But this is why. These hitters are only trying to hit homers. They're not trying to do anything else but hit homers. Right. To hit eight homers, though, is you're asking me a tough question. But to not give up a run in over 40 straight innings, I mean, it's ridiculous. By accident, someone hits a homer. Right. To not give up a homer in 40 straight innings. Not give up a run. I'm saying, to not give up a home run just because everyone's swinging for it. Now you say, right. well, they're swinging for home runs. They're not going to hit it. For 40 straight innings, he didn't give up one. I'll go the, 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 the pitcher. I go the pitcher because... Of course, I'm a pitcher, so I'm a little bias, I think. I go to the pitcher because of the fact that I think that one of the craziest things in sports that I remember from my memory was I rem- I'm old enough to remember the Earl Hershiser scoring, it was a 56 innings I think he had. Yeah. And then it's just 56 a, and a third. And then just a year or two later, it was Nolan Ryan getting those 6th and 7th no hitters at like 40-something years old. To me, pitching accomplishments are the craziest things in the world because these guys you make to the majors are the best hitters on planet Earth. Well, conversely, Earth. the hitters are facing the best pitchers on planet Earth. But it's like for you to go out there and not allow a hit or not allow a run for that long of a period of time, to me, is mind-blowing. By the way, I think the biggest story you haven't mentioned yet is this whole Jerry Jones thinking that Dak Prescott could be back in three weeks. He's saying he's not going to go on the injured reserve, yeah. and he has a chance for a quick return. And there's some people that said that quick return could be against the Eagles when they play on Sunday, October 16th. That's a Sunday night game. And, of course, you can hear that game on 97.3 ESPN. But this thing went from a six- to eight-week injury to we're not going to put him on the injured list because we think he can play. I don't trust Jerry Jones. This is the same guy who just last week or the week before said that because the Cowboys are trying to win the try to win a championship that he doesn't believe that one plus one equals two that for the cowboys one plus one needs to equal three so maybe jerry does not account anymore well i listened this morning to jay williams and he said he had this injury and he said there's no way he's back that quickly he said i tried to come back and i'm playing basketball and basically said i had i couldn't feel my thumb i couldn't you know grip the ball that it was just not something he could see. I trust Jay Williams over Jerry Jones. Period. <laughs> Point blank. All right, Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. There's some of the headlines for today. By the way, the Phillies, we told you their lineup is out. They've got the Marlins tonight. Sandy Alcantara is uh, the pitcher for Miami. Hey, this weekend... We got college football, Miami, Texas A&M. You into that one? I'm very curious because that's Mario Cristobal's first big road game as head coach of the U. Penn State, Auburn. Both teams 2-0. and And both teams need wins to keep up with their, uh, their rivals. So that's this weekend on Saturday. We got the Thursday night game. 
And then, of course, on Sunday, we got a triple header for you with no Eagles. The Eagles play Minnesota on Monday night. Hey, go to our website, 973ESPN.com. You can win a $50 gift card to Ocean Casino Resort. That's 973ESPN.com. Enter to win a $50 Ocean Casino Resort gift card. I'll announce three winning names on Friday's show during Happy Hour Friday with PT. By the way, PT tonight at 5. That's entertainment at 5.30. Now. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 3 ESPN. All right, week one's in the books. Who's in, who's out? My 14... NFL playoff teams after one week of play. Uh, I don't have a ton of changes, but I do have a couple changes. Who's in? Who's out? Of course, who's in? Who's out? Being brought to you by Jenkins Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Jenkins technicians are trained to do it all. Give them a call at 609-641-6262 or online at JenkinsAndSons.com. All right, let's look at the uh, AFC East. Uh, I'm going Buffalo. No reason to bounce off of them. I'm sticking with Buffalo, too. All right. Uh, in the north, Cincinnati lost. They're the only team in the division that lost, but I still think they're the best team when push comes to shove. And uh, I'm going to stick with the Bengals. I'm sticking the with the Bengals, too. Yep. Uh, southbound on I-95. Uh, you know, no team in the AFC South won. Yeah, we had a tie. Um, I'm going to stick with Indianapolis. You know, the kicker misses a chippy to win that game. I think ultimately they're the best team. I haven't been on the ten. The last couple of years, I've liked Tennessee. Yes, you have. This year, I'm not on Tennessee. I actually like Jacksonville better than I like Tennessee. I got Indianapolis, though, winning that division. Yeah, I got uh, the Colts winning the division. I still think the Jags can finish second. West, interesting. A lot of people think this might be the most uh, explosive division in football. Could be the most competitive. I got Kansas City to start. I'm going to stick with Kansas City in this one. I had Broncos last week. I'm kicking them out of the division winner. One week, he's already kicking them out. I'm putting Kansas City in. I was incredibly impressed with the Chiefs on Sunday. Okay, incredibly impressed. Uh, Wild cards, the AFC. Who you got? Broncos, Chargers, Ravens. Broncos, Chargers, Ravens. I've got Broncos, Chargers. Last week I had Vegas. And, uh, I mean, this one could be fluid. I got Broncos. Wait, last week I had... Last week I had... Broncos, Vegas, Miami. This week I have Broncos, Miami, Chargers. I don't got Miami. They look good. I thought they looked pretty good on Sunday. They looked okay. The defense looked better than the offense, in my opinion. Yeah, which is to be expected. I think a lot of the offenses uh, looked a little little, uh, rusty. A little suspect. All right, let's look on the NFC side of things as we get ready for... uh, uh, who's in, who's out. Uh, in the East, I got the Eagles. Eagles. And I had the Eagles last week, so it wasn't like, oh, they won in Dallas loss. I had the Eagles from the get-go. 
Uh, North, I had Minnesota last week. I got Minnesota again. Something we both agree on. I've had Minnesota now two straight weeks. Tampa last week. Tampa again. I'm sticking with Tampa just because of the fact that the other three teams didn't show me anything. Rams last week. Rams again. I'm sticking with the Rams because, man, that Trey Lance game looks really bad. Yeah, I didn't even have San Francisco as a wild card last week, and I don't have them this week either. Last week I had Dallas, Green Bay, and the Saints. I'm going Saints, Green Bay, Washington. Washington in, Dallas out. Who's in? Washington. Who's out? Dallas. I got Dallas out, Saints in this week. And then I'm going Panthers and Packers. Sticking with, those Stick with the Panthers. I'm, I'm not going to be too angsty about one game. I think that Baker Mayfield actually played well overall. I think the bigger problem was is the fact that you're going against Jacoby Brissett. You can't let him put his team in a position to win the game. All right. So who's in? Who's out? There you go. I've got Eagles, Vikings, Tampa, Rams, Division, Wildcard, Saints, Washington, Green Bay. I'm a little flimsy on Green Bay, honestly. I wouldn't be surprised. See, someone's going to be a surprise. Is it the Giants? I think most a lot of people out there listening might think Washington is a surprise. Is it the Giants? Is it the Lions? Is it... Is well, it the Bears? I mean, Bears won. Is it... I mean, I think most people don't think San Francisco's a surprise, so they wouldn't be a surprise. But to me, I just don't like the quarterback. I haven't liked him all, all offseason. I think San Francisco's got a lot of things. Seattle, they would be a surprise. They would be a massive surprise. And the but AFC side of things, that's fluid. Because I got Miami in there, but I think Pittsburgh could be a playoff team. I think Baltimore, I don't have the Ravens in. And they look maybe the most impressive of anybody. They only give up nine points. They play the Jets, though, so it's hard. Um, Cleveland's got a talented roster. Their their problem is the quarterback spot. Right. Um, can they be in the playoff race when they get Watson back? Can Watson even play? It's 11 weeks. The other spot would be, um, obviously, any team from the West, I think all four of those teams should be in conversation. They have to be. And I got a feeling that when we talk about this from week to week, that all four of those teams are going to be referenced at some point. So that's who's in, who's out this week on the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN. You can trust Jenkins Plumbing and Heating and Air Conditioning just like we did here at 97.3 ESPN. Call Jenkins for all of your needs at 609-641-6262 or online, JenkinsAndSons.com. All right, I'm Mike Gill. This is the Sports Bash. Tomorrow, we'll do my fine five, ugly five, my five best, five worst teams in the league after one week of play. I love this time of the year. Now, I have a question for you. Which playoff contender do you think looked the worst? Green Bay. Dallas. Dallas. Here you go, Dallas. I mean, they were they were the only team that didn't score this week. True. They were the only team that didn't score a touchdown. Right. But I, I mean, it's easy to kick them, kick rock. Although, listen, Dak didn't get hurt till late in the game. That's true. So their offense was abysmal. But to answer your question, it was either Dallas or Green. Uh, San Francisco. 
And I don't like San Francisco. I, I've been steadfast on that. I didn't, when we did who's in, who's out, yeah. I didn't even have him in last week. Some no, people haven't win the Super Bowl or going to the Super Bowl. I mean, my initial response would be the Packers because... But the Rams. The Rams were a letdown, but you have to wonder how much of that was... Like, here's the problem I'm trying to decipher, Mike. Let me ask you this question. Whose offensive line issues are most likely to not be fixed? Is it the Rams? Is it the Bucks? Is it the Cowboys? Or is it the Packers? Because all four of them had huge offensive line issues in their games. Um, I, I think Minnesota, I mean, um, Green Bay's problem, they, they don't have the weapons. Their line's okay. They just don't have the weapons. The offensive line issue, that question that you asked, um, Dallas has problems up front. I mean, they have a backup left tackle. They now need a backup right guard. So they could be. Dallas' problems are all over the place. They're, they need a quarterback. They need offensive line help. Safety's hurt. It's funny. I got texts from Dallas fans all offseason. So did I. I want me to take off the goggles. I don't hear from any of you guys now. I haven't heard from any of the anonymous Cowboy fans who are yelling Not at Not a one. And you know what? My life is a lot better because I'm happy. Are you happy, Mike? Thrilled. 609-403-0973. Text board's open. Coming up next hour to Tuesday. It's time for Tuesday with Thompson plus That's Entertainment. And I got details on how you can win a $50 gift card to Ocean Casino Resort on our website right now. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. All right, Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. What's up, everybody? It's a Tuesday. That means a Tuesday with Thompson, the PT, here in just a moment. Plus, that's entertainment. We'll take a look at some TV things that are happening. Guys, if you had to worry about the Giants or Washington in the division, who would it be? Note, I refuse to call them the Commanders. It's a horrible name. That's Joey D. and Ventner. I agree. The Commanders is a horrible name. But if I had to worry about one of them, Joey D., I've been saying all season, I think Washington is the team that uh, could be the sneaky one. I think the Giants are getting better. I don't think they're ready to make the playoffs. But I think the Commanders could be a playoff team. In fact, I have them in. We just did who's in, who's out, Pete Thompson. I've got the Commanders in. I've got the uh, Dallas Cowboys out. I switched one uh, one division team for the other. So I think that Washington is actually a playoff team uh, from what I saw in week number one. And I know that... Uh, a lot, a lot of now that the dust has settled in week one. What a crazy week it was, Peter. Sure was, including the Monday night football game last night. Is uh, I just couldn't believe uh, what the heck was going on at the end of that game. I was on Manning cast by the time that all happened. I had switched off of Buck and Aikman, but even uh, Shannon Sharp was on with both of the Mannings. And at that point, you know Peyton's there calling for a timeout. They're all Shannon Sharp's having another sip of his cocktail. Eli's just sort of grinning, wondering what the heck is going on. I mean, it, it, it was a wild week one. 
And now we move on to week two. Yeah, uh, for Joey, last, last night's game is the is the is the good. You know, most people thought Denver. Casey Joyner was on with us yesterday. He thought Denver Huge, would by two right. touchdowns. And most people listening, I think, thought Denver was the better team. But I don't think anybody out there is going to say that they think Seattle's going to be a playoff team and that Denver's going to stink based on what we saw last night. Right, I would agree with that. And to answer Joey B's text, I would also go with Washington. Why? Well, even though they have Carson Wentz and he does Carson Wentz type things, I think that, uh, you know, I like Ron Rivera. I like some of their schemes. I like a lot of their talent on there. And I don't know if I'm ready to proclaim them a playoff team, but I certainly like them more than I like the Giants, which is why I picked against the Giants in the survivor pool and why I was wrong. So there you go. Yes. Well, listen, I thought and I said all season, I think the Giants culture is changing. And look, I also said I thought Detroit's culture is changing. And I don't know what that means for wins and losses on the field. But what I think it does mean is if you're in a close game late against some of these teams, they have a shot now where before they would find ways to lose in close games. Now I think the Detroits of the world, the, the Giants of the world, you keep them in the game, they're going to start believing they can win it. And that's the first step of turning the corner. I would agree with that. And, and you're right. I mean, that that's the margin of victory, I think, in the NFL sometimes. Yes, you have blowouts and games that nobody's in, but there's also games that it comes down to a doink. It comes down to the guy didn't get out of bounds. It comes down to a personal foul penalty or things like that and and, and just uh, bad clock management. Uh, I wrote to somebody late last night. I, I was like, man, I really should go to bed, but I'm watching this game. And somebody had put something up about how horrible that clock management was and i said it reminded me of andy reed in his early years and the person wrote back and said this was worse and i go okay that was pt that was the worst thing i've ever seen in terms of clock management including the fact that they let the play clock run down to call time out there just to kick the field goal when realistically Look, if it's fourth, I get it. If you're going to kick the field goal, you're going to let the clock run down because you don't want to give them the ball back with a chance to do that. But you put $250 million into that quarterback on fourth down and five. And I know you're going to laugh at this because I said this earlier. They put it in the hands of the, or the, on the foot of a kid from Temple. That's right, the Temple kicker. Even even the fact that, like, look, I got huge allegiance to kickers. I got huge allegiance in Temple. I still thought it was the wrong move. Like, what are you doing? I mean, uh, uh, the bad clock management led to them not getting more yards. You know, I did see somebody who I admittedly, I think, looks at the world through orange-colored glasses, if you're following my drift. But I did see his post. He said something like, you know, that kick had the distance both times. Well, that's like saying, you know, if my aunt had, you know what, she'd be my uncle. Well, I mean, come fair, on, listen. you're really, no, I mean, listen, <laughs> you're reaching there. I don't, I don't know. I, and I said this earlier. Look, field goal kickers are getting better and better and better in terms of, like, the strength. They can, Guy hits a 58-yarder anymore. We're not surprised. It's like, eh, 58 yards. That's okay. true. So I think you're going to see the distance of the field goal slowly continue to go back further and further. McManus himself said, get me to the left hash and I can make that kick. These guys now think they can make that kick. That's fine and dandy, but you have Russell Wilson trying to win that game. You tell yeah. me another top 10 quarterback in football that is not going to be on the field and is going to be sitting on the sideline watching a 64-yard field goal attempt. Not happening, dude. Like I said, if yeah, Nathaniel I Hackett was the head coach in Green Bay – 
Do you think Aaron Rodgers would have been standing on the sideline waiting to see a kicker kick the field goal? No way. Absolutely not. No, it was really flabbergasting. And, and I do know that, again, I was watching the Manning cast, but I had lunch with somebody today who said he was watching Aikman and Buck, and he was critical. This is somebody in our business, in the media business, and he was critical of the fact that Aikman and Buck were slow on the uptake. I mean, he's like, I don't know if they're calling the game off a monitor or what they're doing, but the minute that Russell Wilson took his helmet off, you knew that they were going to kick it, and they were just still flabbergasted about what is going on out there. And I'm thinking, like, well, you know, I'm not one to criticize a national broadcasting team, but there's a reason that I switched over to uh, the Manning cast and enjoyed it very much. Really? So uh, how long did you stay? Now, I stayed. See, last year I went Manning cast almost entirely. Last year, zero time spent on the Manning cast. Well, and as you know, I had a Bronco going last night in fantasy football. I had Jerry Judy. So I was still in the car to hear 97.3 ESPN coverage. Who's that? Kevin Harlan on Monday Night Football, right? Did a great call of the Jerry Judy touchdown. I, uh, at the stoplight, screamed out, yes, because I knew that that helped me uh, beat both Casey Joyner and I won in my other league, too, on that one play. Way to go, Jerry Judy. But I get in, I turn on Aikman and Buck, right? In fact, Aikman and Buck were already on because Susan had it on Channel 6. Buck and Aikman. I go, Aikman and Buck, Buck and Aikman, 220, That's like someone who says Mike and Merrill instead of Merrill and Mike. I mean, look, Cutter and Buck is a good golf shirt, but I don't care what order I put them in. You know, then you know what I'm talking about. The bottom line, she was on 6 ABC. I go, what are you doing on 6 ABC? She's like, well, the game came on, so I just left it there. So That's I didn't even realize it was on regular 6 ABC. Yeah, left. they always do the first one of the year on, on network television. I guess. So I switched over to ESPN. Yeah, you know why? Because the- last night. The Bachelorette generally airs on Monday nights. So my girlfriend wanted to turn The Bachelorette on, and I you know, was all ready to flip the channel, and I went to 806, a PT move, 806, and right. it had the football game on. The finale's on tonight. Oh, I got it right here. The Bachelorette live two-part finale event begins tonight at 8 o'clock. You won't believe what goes down during the live two-part finale event. Gabby and Rachel's journeys come to an astonishing end. I see it all here. Yeah, well, last night, normally the Bachelorette is on Monday nights. So, (laughs) you you know, I'm like, all right, well, so I like to watch the Bachelorette like an hour late so I can fast forward through all the commercials. We record it. We'll start at 9. We fast forward through everything. Everything. So last night, 9 o'clock, I go to 8.06. I said, oh, the game's on. Oh, okay. Right. Whoops. Okay. Yes. I mean, well, I was okay good. with that. I just was yeah. like, uh, okay. I guess. I'm trying to think of who else. I'm. Oh, Joel McHale was one of their guests. I just love Peyton and Eli. I saw on Joel other, McHale you know? just giving it to Peyton. He said. Oh, you know, yeah. It was outstanding. Well, it's funny. Yeah. You like when those two give it to each other, but you don't like. Uh, never mind. No, I do not like it when you give me the needle. I'd have no problem finishing your sentence there. But you give it to me. <laughs> you see how those two guys act, you know? You know, they're just having fun, PT. The difference is that the audience can also see their facial expressions. I can see you. A lot. Well, yeah, but not everybody's watching us right now. I mean, that's the point. Well, that could be changing soon. Okay, fingers crossed. All right, PT. Uh, so 
Now we got uh, Shane Steichen talking today. We had John Gannon talking today. So let's start with the coordinators, Jonathan Gannon. I thought Adam Kaplan brought up an interesting point about Jordan Davis. And mm-hmm. he said that 2.9 yards of carry with Jordan Davis is misleading stat. That ultimately, yeah, the, the yardage was short because he was in on short yardage. And they got, you know, that's why. But he's saying that that didn't necessarily mean the defense played better when he was on the field. Well, that sounds like spin to me, but I mean, I, I understand the the numbers and the math behind it. I, I mean, it's it's interesting because I, I don't think there's anybody out there, including like maybe if you had him in a private room, Jonathan Gannon, that wouldn't say, "Yeah, we got to find a way to get him on the field more." I mean, everybody saw that, so I guess that that to me is like spin on statistics. Well, the number was low because he was on in low situations where they're only looking for to gain 3 yards or 4 yards or you know I I, I look at it like this. He's not wrong. He's not wrong, but it doesn't placate me. You know, you know what I'm saying? We have to clean it up. You can't get gashed like we did, you know. Uh, well, what's he going to say? Oh yeah, no, I thought we were really good defensively. I mean, he, before I always think when they do these coordinator things, whatever comes out before any questions are asked, that to me is the biggest thing that they want to address, like going into the week. And when him, when Jonathan Gannon comes out and says, just to start, obviously a lot of things we need to clean up, looking forward to that opportunity. It's clear to the players and coaches after watching the game, we need to improve quickly, not just from an execution standpoint, technique standpoint as well. 35 points is not good enough. Well, yes, I agree with that. It's not good enough. Totally agree with that. Now, I guess the next question is, is the confidence there that they will watch the film, figure it out, and get it right? Now, I would ask this question on top of that. I'm not convinced that Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave, who John McMullen told us today, listen, Hargrave didn't practice at all all summer. He had a foot problem, so he's behind the eight ball now as well. But I'm not sure Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave are at their peak performance. And are we putting a lot of stock in that those guys are going to be the players that they were, and that's what helped make this defense work? If they're not the players they were, this defense might not be the same. Yeah, I think when you overvalue guys, you know, and maybe you you think of them as what they were a season or two seasons ago, and they're not quite there yet, uh, that, like, the defensive line rotation and and how effective they can be, uh, I just know this. I mean, and I didn't go back and look at, like, an All-22 or anything like that, but I did hear that Jonathan Gannon, and I always mess this guy up, he just called him Tui, right? But that there was a hurry there who smoked – Jared Goff, and that's why that uh, Bradbury interception was able to happen, you know, and that's where he was trying to make the thing about, look, you can't measure the pass rush just by the number of sacks you have. Okay, I'll give you that point, but I'll flip it and say you also can't have one total sack in your defense, and really it was a half a sack for Fletcher Cox and Hargrave, and even that was because the quarterback mishandled the snap. You know, I mean, that's that's not that's to me, a championship defense does not get one sack credited to them against the sack number. I yeah, I I don't care if you don't get more than one sack, but you better be knocking that guy all over the place. They weren't doing that either. So I can't just make him uncomfortable. We saw that theme last year where quarterbacks 
became like, you know, the next all pro, like pedestrian quarterbacks. It's one thing if you have an elite quarterback like Tom Brady beat him in the playoffs or, you know, and Kirk Cousins, the next guy coming in, has always had success against the Eagles. But you have to make that guy uncomfortable. And I have I certainly didn't see that down the stretch last year, and I didn't see it in week one against Jared Goff. No, you're right. That you're right about, PT. Not enough pressure. Goff had way too much time to stand back there. No one should be pleased with the defensive effort. I would agree with that wholeheartedly. I feel, um, I feel that the Eagles' defense. I don't know. Did we overvalue them? Maybe. I feel much more confident than I think most that they can at least tighten it up and be a much better defensive unit moving forward. Yeah, and I mean, if you try try to quasi-count that as their final preseason tune-up, even though it was an actual game that counted, now they come home and, you know, the fans will be in full throat and they'll be all amped up to play on national television on a Monday night football game. You would hope that they would give a better effort defensively at home on the 19th. Got this question earlier uh, regarding last night's game and then kind of into uh, the, the Eagles, which was, uh, you know, last night Russell Wilson got booed unmercifully in the game all night long. Uh, do we think the Eagles will treat Carson Wentz the same? Oh, I, I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, why, why wouldn't you? You know, although it's been one generation removed, right? I mean, it's, uh, I feel like it's not, it's not immediate or the first, like, I just feel like there's been some time that's gone by, but I still think that Eagles fans are Eagles fans. Of course, they're going to boo Carson Wentz. Why wouldn't you? They boo whoever the bomb I think is over there. But on the other this side. was all night long. This was like a basketball player in college. Whenever he gets the ball and they pass it, and when the ball comes back to him, they just. Whenever Wilson was on the field, the boos followed him. I think the Eagles might get him once, but I don't know that they do it like Seattle. You got to give them credit. They were all over him last night. I always give Seattle credit because I think that even when they have an inferior product, like I think they're going to have this year, those fans still show out. I mean, show up in full force and are loud. I mean, and they've always been loud. You can go back. I'm older than you, man. You can go back to like the Steve Largent years and they had loud crowds out there. You know, Cortez Kennedy. Right, and they had loud crowds out there back in the day. So, I mean, and that's way before you had the 12th band and the whole ambiance that went with the stadium that they're in now. Uh, all right, uh, Tuesday with Thompson. PT's here. Uh, Phillies lineup's out tonight. You know, they're actually playing. They're in Miami, PT. They haven't been there uh, in the playoffs since 2011. And to get there, they're going to have to, you know, continue to win games. They're only three and a half games up on the final wild card spot. And uh, this Miami team that always seems to be a problem, but not this year. So do you feel confident? I said they need seven out of nine in the nine-game stretch against Miami, Washington, and now here's the last three. They got three. They won two out of three. They swept Washington. And two out of three gets them seven out of nine. So, Phillies playoff hopes in Miami tonight. Yeah, and it's my favorite pitcher, right? Bailey Falter going up against the guy whose name I always butcher, Alcantara. Sandy Alcantara. (laughs) That's all me, Sandy Alcantara. Uh, yeah, no, I, I feel confident that they should go down there. There's no reason they shouldn't. You know what I mean? The, the fa- they basically won a game yesterday, or Sunday, excuse me, that they 
shouldn't have won. You know, I mean, uh, they they sat around forever. They they burned their starter early. You know, they had to throw out what was it, Christopher Sanchez to go out and pitch. You know, uh, uh, the manager Rob Thompson, no relation, admitted that he was watching the Eagles game instead of worrying about anything baseball related. The fans were watching the Eagles game. I mean, it was it's one of those weird games and yet they came back and won that game so yeah i'd I'd feel confident they should win two out of three or all three in miami it's the atlanta series after that that i'm looking at yeah i know they play atlanta for three they play toronto for two and then atlanta for four yeah and the the atlanta toronto are the two that might give me a little bit of pause because both the the braves are really really good and toronto still has something to play for as well so that gives me some pause. What did you think of your guy Tortorella the other day? He was on Sirius XM Radio and kind of gave it to this team. I love it. I love the fact that he has a name to captain. I love the fact that he's basically... Why well, do you name told- a captain before you start practice? Well, that's the thing. I mean, but but the, obviously the media are going to ask about it. Like, who's your captain going to be? Well, you know, you don't just hand over a C, you know. The, the fact, I mean, some of these, like Cam Atkinson has seen him before, but... Uh, I think the words that, because Kevin Hayes talked and Sean Couturier talked yesterday, and both those guys said, uh, we're a little nervous. Yeah, you better be, because this guy's, I mean, I just think back to that scene in the movie Miracle, like where uh, Herb Brooks gets it back and he's like, again, again, fine, again. You know, I'm uh, if PT, I'm okay with that. If PT was naming a captain, who is it? Probably, gosh. Probably Kevin Hayes, but we'll see. No I mean, Coots? He, he better not. Well, Coots is okay too. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be upset with either of those choices. Quite frankly, I, I want to see who the person is that takes all the abuse. Is <laughs> really what it's going to be because Torts is going to be on him like nobody's been on him before. All right. Uh, by the way, Mike Trout going for eight straight games with a ding dong tonight. That'd be a new record, right? That'd be a heck of. Uh, I mean. It would, no, I thought he has seven. What's the record? Eight? Yeah. Yeah. Seven. That's right. Seven today. He tied Dale Long, Don Mattingly, and Ken Griffey Jr. So we'll see if he can set it. I mean, look, there's got to be some good news in Mike Trout's life. It certainly isn't the fact that uh, the Angels are uh, going anywhere, right? It certainly isn't the fact that the Angels' ownership, where he signed that big deal, oh, okay, this is comfortable. Wait, what, what do you mean, Mr. Moreno? Where are you going? What? What? Well, listen, so, that team is uh, a mess. Uh, in, in the home run games, I think they said, what, they're uh, three and four in the games that he's hit homers in. So, yeah, I mean, then that's the Mike Trout story, isn't it? The guy's unbelievably talented, but he spent his entire career and made one playoff appearance that everybody forgets because it was that unmemorable. All right, uh, Tuesday with Thompson here on the Sports Bash. That's uh, his extra points. You can find the full column over in Friday's edition of Shore Local. It comes out now, what, every other week? Yeah, now we're on to the bi-week stuff where we're not doing every week. We do every two weeks. So uh, usually it's basically, it's kind of like the people that get paid uh, 15th in the last day of the month, right? You know, on, Shore Local see. will come out they on gotta the They got to understand it's football the season. The they got to have it out every week for football season. Well, it just means I have to write more. Instead of recapping one game, I got to recap two. You know, I mean, that's what's crazy. And you're right. You raise a good point. The last column that I wrote, uh, the title was Avoid the Turk. And so as I wrote it, I wrote it on the day that the Eagles were trying to cut down to 53 players. 
and it, it was nuts to sit there and compose the column for today for this week and think about, man, the last time I didn't even know who the 53 players were. Look at how much I know now. Well, PT, how much you know now is scary for much of us out there. You're a smart man. <laughs> I know a lot of useless knowledge, buddy. All right, uh, Sports Bash Live. Uh, that's his extra point column uh, that we'll talk about on Tuesdays, of course, throughout the season. Coming up on the other side, his other column in the Shore Local on Fridays is called That's Entertainment. And we like to throw out some shows and movies, streaming services. And we like to get you involved on this one as well. You can always text in at 609-403-0973. Uh, give us some things that we should be watching, some shows that you guys are watching out there, some streaming stuff. We like to kick your um, recommendations, if you will, and uh, maybe PT will include them in a future column piece at Shore Local. That's entertainment is coming up on the other side here on the Sports Bash Live 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. I want to tell you about my friends over at Ambient Comfort, heating and cooling professionals. Is there anything better than the beginning of football season? It's also time for you to tackle those home improvement issues that you put off during the summer, like your heating system. That's why you need to call my friends at Ambient Comfort Heating Cooling Professionals for their $79 fall, or as I call it, football season tune-up special for new customers. For just $79, Ambient Comfort will check and clean your system to make sure it's safe and running at maximum efficiency. Prepare to get you through the cold months, regardless of who originally installed it. That's key. Where your bill's too high last winter, maintenance or a new system from Ambient Comfort may help with rising energy costs for your family. When comfort matters, choose Ambient Comfort. Visit AmbientComfortNJ.com. That's AmbientComfortNJ.com or call 609-568-0955 for a $79 heater or furnace tune-up. Tell them Mike Gill sent you. That's entertainment is up next here on The Bash. Now, back to the Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. ESPN. 5.31 on this Tuesday. I'm Mike Gill, Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. A Tuesday with Thompson turns into That's Entertainment. Give us some uh, recommendations, things that you'll be watching, things we should be watching. PT's column, That's Entertainment, is in Friday's edition of Shore Local. Check that out on the Friday newsstands. All right, PT. Uh, we got football on a lot, so uh, we're we're uh, you know running out of the nights. So you got Tuesday, Wednesday, maybe Friday, maybe uh, I don't know what else we got. So let's check out uh, that's entertainment uh, for the PT. What do we start with? Well, let's start with the fact that I wrote about how uh, I used to subscribe to the magazine Entertainment Weekly, and they would send out a fall TV preview issue, and it was a double issue. And, I mean, I look forward to that like my show Bible. You know, this was going to be, all right, these are the shows I'm watching, and this is when these come back, and these are the ones I might be interested in, and I don't care about this one. And, and it's like, I mean, man, like things have changed. First of all, 
Entertainment Weekly does not publish an actual magazine anymore. They have an online presence only. That's number one. I miss the no. magazine. I miss when magazines were like a thing. Yeah, me too. I mean, I used to, I think I got, uh, I got Sports Illustrated, Entertainment Weekly. I got the Premier Magazine. That one went by the wayside pretty early. That was all about movies. Um, Does the doctor's office get? still offer a magazine? Uh, it, during the pandemic, they took all the magazine racks out because you might have been like touching things or transferring things or who knows what. At least most of the doctor's offices that I've been in recently, there's not piles and piles of magazines. You know there are still magazines? At the hair salon. PT only has six hairs, but I still go nah, to the salon. Not where I'm at. The they don't have the magazine at the hair place that I get my hair cut. Just like a uh, some sort of like, you know, weekly mag, yeah. like a weekly uh, you know, like Atlantic City Weekly or something's usually in there. Well, they should have Shore Local. Way to like throw out the name of the noodle bar when I'm right. You're you're throwing out my competition. <laughs> See, what now you, you know what I'm dealing with. All right. Well, what are you doing over there? No, I mean, who watches broadcast TV anymore? You do for the Bachelorette, and I will say this, Mike Gill. I have to. I not only write the column, I pick the images that go along with the column. And as I looked, like I googled, like the old covers of different Entertainment Weekly uh, fall TV previews. I had a choice of different ones to use, and I used the one that had James Spader and the Blacklist on it. I believe it was from 2014. There you go. Uh, well, so, you're right. I, uh, who watches broadcast TV anymore? I couldn't tell you one show that is on broadcast TV. Nope, that makes two of us, but, like, I still haven't watched in, uh, I mean, I, I DVR Grey's Anatomy, but I'm a season behind, an entire season behind. I don't have Apple TV+, Plus except for trying to watch a Phillies game or two, and so I've never seen an episode of Ted Lasso. Uh, I hear good things about Succession, haven't watched an episode of it yet. I uh, hear good things about The White Lotus, haven't watched an episode of that yet. I did watch a couple episodes of Abbott Elementary, and they were a big winner, Last night at the Emmys. By the way, the Emmys were on. I don't know that anybody really watched them because they were on broadcast television, but they were on. And uh, all the categories came out of the, you know, uh, Ozark, uh, Netflix, Euphoria, HBO Max, Squid Game. I could probably live my entire life and not watch an episode of Squid Game, and I'd be okay with that. Uh, Keenan Thompson was the host of the Emmy Award Ceremony. Relation. No relation, but he uh, did reunite with uh, the guy Kel, Keenan Kel. That's the Whataburger or whatever big movie that you might not know about. But Didn't know it. And, and anyhow, I mean, other Abbott Elementary, and I think they had a win for last week tonight with John Oliver. Oliver. Those are the only two things that won out of like regular TV. Everything else is on pay TV or a streaming service now. I wrote a lot about TV this week because the Emmys. All right, uh, give me the streaming service stuff that we need to uh, check in on this week. Well, Pinocchio's out. They had Disney Plus Day on September 8th. So if you uh, have kids and you want to watch Pinocchio or Tom uh, Hanks plays Geppetto in Pinocchio, there's also, for Josh's audience, Thor Love and Thunder is now released on Disney Plus. There's an Obi-Wan Kenobi, a Jedi's Return, also on Disney Plus. I, last night, even though I watched that entire football game and then I watched the late local news because I do watch the news, I found myself drifting over to watch two or three episodes of Cobra Kai season five. That is out on Netflix. It is starting to get a little long in the tooth. But, uh, 
The PT will keep on watching because, hey, I watched the other four Push seasons. Push on through, of PT. Don't bail. Might as well, might as well keep on uh, powering through. Uh, yeah. I do, again, do not have Apple TV+. Plus. This is not a political statement, but I did write this week about the fact that Hillary and Chelsea Clinton are ha- have a new series called Gutsy. It's about inspirational women. And they basically uh, get in the car and go interview these inspirational women. Right. Okay. Sounds uh, enthralling. Yeah, that sounds like exactly what should be on the streaming service. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, there's not much out in the box office right now. It's 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 stinkeroony. Yeah, nothing. Um, you got nothing at the box office, huh? I mean, uh, like if no, I said there's PT, stuff out there. You want to see Barbarian? I say, I, mean, I say, if I said PT, I'm going to give you free tickets to the box office to go see something on the big screen. Nothing? Oh, I would go see Bullet Train. Uh, which I haven't seen yet, and that's the Brad Pitt one, but that's been out for a while. Who's or, the biggest movie star right now? The biggest movie star, like the most bankable one? Well, I'm just saying, like, I, when we were growing up, I mean, you could rattle off, like, you know, movie stars. I, I couldn't tell you one. Well, you could tell me Tom Cruise, and he was in the movie that made yeah, the most Yeah, but he was the biggest movie summer. star when I was growing up, too. There's nobody that's, like, you know, like... A- um, you know, uh, Chris Pratt, maybe, because there was a Jurassic Park that came out. Uh, he's a pretty strong, bankable guy. I hate still. saying I never heard of these guys either, too. Like, Josh just said The Rock, and I'm like, I mean, he was a wrestling star in the 90s. I mean, for God's sakes. That's true. That's true. I mean, Brad Pitt, you know who Brad Pitt is, right? He's fairly yeah, bankable. Yeah, but he was also a movie star when I was in college. Yeah, but he was great in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Looks oh, like I saw uh, there's a new, uh, is there a new Adam Sandler, Happy Gilmore type of thing coming out? I don't know if there's a new Adam Sandler, Happy Gilmore type thing coming out. I do know that his production company is called Happy Madison Productions. It's a blend of Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore. Plus, uh, for oh, whatever By the reason, way, these numbers just came out, PT. Yes. Monday Night Football, 19.8 million last night. The Emmys, 5.9. The Manning <laughs> cast, well, the Manning cast had 1.5. That's under their average of 1.6 last year. So Monday wow. Night Football is up 17%. Buck and Aikman seem to have made a impact. Huh. Interesting. Well, I enjoyed the Manning cast. I mean, I, it's not Buck. It's not like I'm going to ignore Buck and Aikman, or Aikman and Buck, whichever way you'd like to go. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I just like the Manning. No Manning cast for the Eagles game, too. It's important to I'm happy throw about that, that out again. Yeah, because, you know, you want to watch a traditional broadcast when it's your team. I was just going to throw in there, Pete. I think part of the reason why Mike doesn't know who a lot of the modern movie stars are is because of the fact that a lot of the movies today – the entire scope of the industry has changed so much from when in the 80s and 90s, the entire movie infrastructure was built purely around who the stars are. In today's world, the the movie industry is not built just on stars. It's built on directors. It's built on production companies. It's built on Lord of the Rings and Star Wars and Marvel and all these other variables that have nothing to do with who the star is. Yeah, like I saw, and I don't know, Josh, is this tied into the the Woman King with Viola Davis? Is that tied into uh, the Black Panther series? Not at and all. Wakanda and all that? Not at all. But, they, but I read a story that apparently they were releasing it 
to get ahead of Wakanda forever because the the rumor is out there that Shuri becomes Black Panther in Wakanda forever. Huh. Okay. Uh, see, I figured you would know the answer to that. Oh, Gil, I'll go see this Moon Age Daydream with David Bowie whenever it drops into IMAX theaters next. That's next weekend, but... I'm not writing a column between now and next weekend, so I might as well talk about it now. Okay, well, uh, check that out. By the way, for the cable is doomed crowd, this is from Michael Mulhill, uh, Mulvihill over, um, he does, uh, sports ratings kind of stuff. Um, the ESPN was up 60% on cable, ESPN2 up 31%, FS1 up 42%, and the Big Ten Network up 125%. Total college football viewing across the networks is up 8% and has reached a six-year high, Pete Thomas. Mm. I didn't write about this, but Lorne Michaels says that Saturday Night Live season 48 is going to have at least four new cast members. Fine. I couldn't Uh, tell you one cast member. Really? Who's the last cast member you can tell me from Saturday Night Live? Adam Sandler? That's a long time ago. Chris Farley? <laughs> uh, that's a long time ago, too. He got fired. Um, I don't know a lot of their names. I never really watched Saturday. I wasn't a big watcher. Kate McKinnon? You couldn't go for her? Or Tina Fey? Or Tina how about Fey, Leslie I Joe? do. I, I, know, I don't know who Kate McKinnon is. Oh, Kate McKinnon was very funny. She was on there for a long time. Pete Davidson, even if you're just watching reality TV. That guy's a putz. Oh, I don't find him funny, but he was on there. I don't find him funny. I don't find him anything. I don't understand the guy. How about Colin Jost? He's married to Scarlett Johansson. Give him a point. Don't know who that is. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) But he's married to Scarlett Johansson. Okay. Uh, Kevin Hart's an actor. Joaquin Phoenix. He's not even alive anymore, is he? Joaquin Phoenix? Joaquin Phoenix is alive. Oh, the other Phoenix. Yeah, that's that's River Phoenix that died. Right. Uh, Will (laughs) Smith. Actors. Yeah, Will Smith. I haven't seen him in anything in quite some time. Well, he slapped somebody, remember? Yeah, I know. Chris Rock. Well, well, but again, Will Smith was big when I was growing up. The, the, because the television industry has died, there's no new... Uh, I don't think it's died. I think it's transitioned. There was a period of time where you couldn't... You, you were pigeonholed into one thing or the other. Like, movie people would never drift and do television, right? But if yeah, I but said to a you... A lot of times you used to get people who were on a TV show, and then they got the big role in the movies and became movie stars. Well, there's no right. there's no TV shows to take anybody from. Uh, but the TV show, yeah, there are. They're on streaming now with no commercials. That's where that's where the people have, okay, are going. Okay, but okay, all right. Well, are those guys, girls, getting roles from their streaming shows into big time movies now? No, I just think it's the other way around. Like I think uh, that, that there's no like defined like if you do this, you have to stay in this genre kind of thing. Like Michael Keaton won an Emmy the other night for Dope Sick on Hulu, which is all about the opioid industry. And, you know, there are people out there like me that remember Michael Keaton from Night Shift and Mr. Mom and the original Batman, right? But here he is doing a dramatic role and doing a great job in it. So, I mean, that's the thing is if you're really good, you know, Henry Winkler's the Fonz. But to some people, Henry Winkler's just the acting coach in the HBO show Barry. Now, Better Call Saul has been up for 46 Emmys since it's premiered. It has won zero, Pete Thompson. Yeah, there's something wrong with that, right? I mean, come on. Yeah, that's that Bob Odenkirk. 
I do remember Bob Odenkirk. I guess there was a viral moment that uh, Jimmy Kimmel was out there and pretended to like play dead or something like that while the girl from Abbott Elementary was winning the award for best directing or writing of an original comedy. So uh, the girl from Philadelphia, Brunson, quit the Brunson, was out there accepting her award. And she even leaned over at one point and said, okay, okay, Jimmy, you can get up now. The bit's over. And he just laid there the whole time. And now people are upset. They're accusing Jimmy Kimmel of doing a Kanye moment and ruining this girl's one success or something it's ridiculous all right that's entertainment uh, friday's edition of shore local pete thompson uh pete will be back on happy hour friday also thursday we're live over at chickies and pete's at tropicana in atlantic city you can come on and see us out there uh friday show we will uh do happy hour friday and uh yeah pt started on monday we're going to start entering people for a chance to win Eagles tickets. I'll have more details on tomorrow's show. But, yes, Eagles tickets. I got them. I'm going to be giving them away. That will lead us into 99 bottles. We're going to be giving away. It's the biggest 99 bottles ever, Pete Thompson. Really? Like 199? There's more bottles? How can it be? <laughs> well, we're going to be having tickets to just bigger, bigger, better events. Okay, I'll, I'll buy that for a dollar. All right, Sounds Peter. Good. Thank you, Peter. Yep. Uh, Pete Thompson's Tuesday with Thompson is brought to you by Boardwalk Honda in Egg Harbor Township. See their entire inventory online anytime at BoardwalkHonda.com. From Maine to Miami, nobody beats a Boardwalk deal. It's that time. We're going to close out the show. Coming up next. Now, back to more sp- Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. On 97.3 ESPN, South Jersey Sports Leader. Hey, I want to tell you about my good friends over at American Airlines from ACY. American Airlines and ACY are your gateway to the world. And ACY is your one-stop ticket for over 90 domestic and international destinations. Now, you can go see your favorite team's away games Right here from ACY. Save time and money. Avoid the fees and hassle of parking at the big city airport. When you start your next vacation on American Airlines from ACY, excitement is just one stop away on American Airlines from ACY. Book today at AA.com. You know, that's one of those things. You're looking at the Eagles' uh, road schedule coming up. Jump on ACY, AA, go to Arizona, Houston, Indy. Chicago, Dallas. You can book a trip to one of those fine American cities with American Airlines through ACY. Now, how about that, right? I'm looking forward to uh, possibly... I haven't been to an Eagle road game ever. Ever? No, not a road game. That surprises me. I feel like you would have like gone to something. I don't really like going to NFL games. I know a lot of people like to go, and that's cool. I don't not like to go. It's because of the job here. I can't focus if I'm at the game as a fan in the crowd. You know what I'm saying? 
So it's it's more of a choice than it is. Yeah, a, like if you oh, look, if I was a fan and didn't have this job, and I want to, like I'd go tailgate, hang out. I can't do that with the games. Like I can't go. You watch the game at an establishment. I can't do that on a Sunday. I'm on my back porch by myself, or you know, I got the pad out. I got the notes. I gotta watch. I can't be at the bar. People talking to me. Noise. A couple pops. I mean, I'm I'm a weird person, so I mean, I don't know if I'm the per- best person to measure this conversation. Well, I'm not saying everybody <laughs> isn't the same. I, I get it. Some people can watch the game out and retain. Mm-hmm. I'm not one of those people, though, that's going to go out, watch the game at a bar, and then come home and watch the DVR. I'm not DVRing a game, and, and I don't have time to DVR a game and watch it. See, I do that stuff all the time. So yeah, I, I can't. I, I just can't watch a game that I know the result of. Now, if I'll, I'll sit and watch... Like, during the draft, I'll watch some tape of draft prospects, that kind of stuff. But it's not an actual game you're watching. Right. No, I'm not going back and watching a game I've already seen Got or it. that I missed. If I missed it, I missed it. I'm just I'm not going to go back and watch it. Hey, it eats their own. You, uh, you have, listen, you have a system that's worked pretty well for you over the years. <laughs> so I'm not going to sit there and smack it, you know? Right. No, I, I'm saying I'm not knocking people. Like, I like to go to games. I'm not anti-going to games. I just, it doesn't fit my, my current employment. That's all. If you, if you weren't in this type of job. Yeah, I'd probably go to more games. Okay. Football. I go. Now, basketball is different. I could go to a Sixer game and sit in the media section and focus and, and do it. And gotcha. as a fan, I can as well. Okay. Um, Philly, same thing. Go to a Phillies game and pay attention. Success. Football's a little different. There's a lot more intricacies of what I need to remember. Drives, key plays in the game. Time of the game. That kind of stuff. Uh, Josh has game night up next. Uh, Reed Fowler's on. That's right. Should be fun. It's always a good time. The interesting thing about Reed is, so for those who don't know, Reed is originally from Hawaii. And his two favorite sports are the NFL and golf. So he comes from like the most like unique perspective when it comes to some of these things. All right, 620 tonight, Reed Fowler is on game night. I'm Mike Gill. I'll be back tomorrow with my 5-5 Ugly 5. I'll have details on how you can win Eagles ticks, Eagles ticks. Starting Monday, right here on the Sports Bash. Holy moly, been a busy show today. Uh, thanks to my guest, Frank Close. The mailbag's up on our website. John McMullen, Adam Kaplan, and the PT. Tomorrow, Mike McGarry's back. Jeff Mosher, Fine Five, Ugly Five, Cup of Joe. And good evening, NFC East, with Jeff Kirk. Josh has you till six. We got Thursday Night Football coming up on Thursday. And don't forget, $50 gift card, enter to win at 973ESPN.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done.